Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. <laughs> well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom. It's episode 322. I'm Dave. I'm here in the swamp. I'm in a great mood. I've had uh, a cider. I'm having a coffee. It's getting warmer in Sydney, warmer in the swamp. I'm with Rich. Rich, how are you? Hey, buddy. Not uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Glad you're having a good time. I'm having a pretty good time too. Nothing to complain about. That's good. Well, you know why I'm, I'm so happy? I, I was in incredible pain all this week. I have a tennis match tomorrow. I went to the masseuse just this afternoon. Um, hour and a half remedial massage. There is no pain in the body right now. Um, I'm pain free. I feel 20 years younger. You know, um, I wish my weight was where I was 20 years ago. But regardless, <laughs> I am. Don't, don't we all? I am feeling just fantastic, and I'm all ready for the match tomorrow. And let me tell you, this guy I'm going to play tomorrow. He better watch out because I'm coming in you know, really kind of pain-free, which, as you know, is rare for me, Rich, you know? Mm. So I'm in a great mood. That is very rare for you, old man. It is. I am an old man. And I've been one since my early, probably mid-20s is where I took on the old man moniker. And I've run with it ever since. I've been consistent. Um, Yeah, man. So just want to quickly just sort of say, Rich, what's been going on in your life? I want to mention again, uh, Rich has the um, Farfetched Comics, Instagram up, I believe a couple of listeners may have followed you. Shout out to Ronald Acosta, who I know did. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, Ronnie was, was the first one. He reached out to me. He's uh, a very, very good nice. artist himself, man, actually. He's very talented. Yes, I was looking at some of his stuff. Uh, he's, done, he's done some good Dragon Ball stuff. Uh, yeah, man, he's done a Yeah, he's he, he's really got the goods, man. He, he sends me some stuff on Facebook, um, you know, of stuff he's doing, and I'm just like, man, like... You know, you've got some serious talent there. When you've got no, like, I know you, you've got talent with drawing. When you've got no talent like me, like, you know, I just literally cannot draw. You know, it's just like, it just seems amazing to me what these people can do. I'm just like, I, I, I just, I just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I, I really think it's a, it's a skill. Like, and like any skill, I know it's talent plus application and everything, but there's got to be some talent there to start with. Don't you think, Rich? You there, Rich? Yes, but I mean, but there's also got to be, um, I think you can always learn, though. Mm. You've just got to be willing to, I guess, learn and, and not get um, and not get discouraged. Mm. Um, uh, that That's the problem is, is I think a lot of people, they expect to just be able to draw. Sure. Right away. And they get very annoyed when. Um, oh, yeah. When, when they can't. So um, you, you've just got to be willing to. To put in the work and and take the time to get better. I mean, as I said, I mean, you know, when I look at drawings I did like 10, 20 years ago, mm. you know, they're, they're very different to sort of what I can do now. But, you know, that's... Yeah, you've got to work at it, man. Like, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound stereotypical, but I imagine even like the grand old masters, they had to grind away before they became the masters that they were in painting and stuff. You know what I mean? Like they didn't come out of the womb just immediately drawing those classic pictures and stuff. You know what I mean? Classic, what have you, paintings? You know what I mean? Like there's a whole background to the whole thing. Like it's a, 
it really is uh in my, just to me it really is the kind of pursuit where i know it marries up with commercial and yet it's also such a sort of personal kind of journey as well like it's a mixture of the two to have a career in it like you've got to have the visions and then you've got to make them commercial and like that endless you know you know what i mean the line between commerce and art kind of thing like it's yeah, it's like it's easy for me to commentate because I have I have no ambition, you know, or skill to be uh, to be to be an artist. So I can only appreciate it from the sideline, and I'm just like I've always thought it's something that you know is is quite admirable. Um, anyway, so that's Richard's uh, far fetched comics. Check it out. Um, I'd love for some listeners to reach out for you for commissions, Rich. You know. Yeah, and, I'm happy to do it. I mean, I I do spend most of my time sort of drawing my own. Sure, character uh, and stuff. stuff. I, I, just, I, I just find it very um, uh, cathartic to sort of just like create. But if own. someone said you a hundred bucks for Wolverine, oh no, no, no! I, but I'm always happy to draw. Uh, in yeah. fact, I might, uh, I, I might do a little bit of. Um, uh, my girlfriend wants me to draw a, a picture of uh, Kiryu Kazama, the 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 main character from the Yakuza games. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Now we're talking. So I'll do something like that for her, and then I'll post it on. Uh, yeah, do that. Do Nico Bellic. Do Nico Bellic from GTA Four. <laughs> I don't want to do too many video game characters. So. <laughs> do you like me? I start demanding. They're, they're a little bit dull. Do you like me? I start demanding. Give me Wolverine fighting Judge Dredd. <laughs> I'm not. Playing. Oh, you know, you know what's fun? I actually used to do um, back in high school. I used to do these. Uh, one of my favorite characters in video games, in fighting games, was hmm. um, what was his name? Uh, I think his name was. Uh, Guildford. Um, I don't know. I don't he, was the, uh, he was the, 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 he was in Samurai Showdown. He was okay. like the uh, American ninja who had like a, a wolf with him. Mm-hmm. And I used to drew, do drawings of him actually killing Marvel characters. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's good. That's like, cool. I had, yeah, I had him like fighting Wolverine and I had him fighting Mr. Fantastic and all sorts of stuff and all that. So, um, that was fun. I used to do stuff like that, but as I said, but then then I sort of like started doing my own, um, my own stuff. I just got inspired to like design my own characters. Mm. Um, I, I did that at a very young age, like even from the moment I started drawing. I remember when I when I read my first comic, mm. and then I rushed home to like get paper and started drawing. I literally just started drawing my own characters. You know what I mean? That's like cool. My own yeah. Stuff. So I've always I've always wanted to. Um, I'm busy working on something now. Uh, hopefully. Something will come of it, but uh, uh, can, yeah, can I, I you do? do like can you do my? Um, <laughs> this is so funny. What I'm about to ask. <laughs> uh, I want the full story of the Afghanistan war and the U.S. invasion and pull out from the invasion. I've asked Chuck Dixon for it. He's not doing it. Could you do that for me? Just like could I do, could I do what? Like I want the whole thing storyboarded. Like literally, like. I have this dream of a, of a comic like the Nam, but of that storyline of of like the story of going into Afghanistan, occupying it, all the shenanigans that went on, and the eventual humiliating withdrawal and the you know the Taliban streaming back in. I, I want that in comic book form. Could you do that for me? It's probably it's probably going to take. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Dave, put the put the money on the on the table. <laughs> I'm only kidding, of course, Rich. But, but, but no, seriously, like, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's really cool, and and you know what, 
like when you are ready to share, you know, whatever you've got going on in terms of like getting it out there and stuff, we'll we'll certainly put it on blast mode um, yes. for you, Rich. Um, hopefully, I'll have some stuff uh, early next year. But uh, yeah, explain right. it. Uh... It's, it's, would you do I, stuff like if to... someone was like i want like nudes like nude wonder woman or black cat or something and it was willing to pay like a couple of hundred bucks would you turn that around for them that honestly kind of probably not jesus christ see that's the kind of shit i'd do see i would be I, if only i had the artistic talent i would be doing that kind of stuff all day long like yeah that's, sketches that doesn't really interest me um, well it doesn't moment, interest me there's people out there that, that want that sort of stuff i mean it doesn't God interest me, them, but, but it interests me if people are willing to pay me for it. You know what I mean? That that suddenly I'm interested. I couldn't care yeah, less but, about doing it. Yeah, but Dave, for me, that's like that's no difference. In like you know, <laughs> saying, well, you know what? I got the talent of just getting to porn. Like, you know what I mean? It's just it's that same thing. I don't. I just don't see the. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I just don't see just the putting. I, I'm just trying to put commercial ideas out there for you. That's all. I'm just trying. My mind's thinking. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think we're onto something with this video game stuff. If people want things from Rich, like pictures, and are willing to pay, this is a cash enterprise. Uh, contact us, and and you know, and Rich will assess it, and if he wants to do it and stuff. And but, but I'm encouraging listeners like to to really sample the wares, Rich. You know what I mean? Like if I said to you, you know, okay, I got 120 in my pocket. Can you give me Hammerstein? Could you turn around and do a bit of research and give me Hammerstein? Like in black and white. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That kind of, that's yeah. the kind of stuff I'm but talking it's very, about. It's very easy to do uh, research into a character. I'm just yeah. if you ask me to do uh, Hammerstein ramming someone or butt fucking someone, no. <laughs> no, 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 like, no, 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 no. No, I, I just meant stuff. I just meant like a picture of him, like you know, yeah, being, being Hammerstein. Yeah, cool. I'm no, just, I'm just I'm bringing it back to your point of like I'm not interested. Oh in yeah, you're not interested in like I wanna I wanna get. Catwoman getting fucked by the Joker and Batman at the same time—that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, know. I'm not. I'm not interested in porn. <laughs> well, at least you've got some um, standards, I guess. You, you've got more than me. I mean, it's not hard to have more standards. I was going to say, it's like that's not a, it's not a, a massive achievement. Though. <laughs> you've, you've always said that you're happy to to sell if it meant making money. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, hundred percent. Sell, sell your soul for a bit of bob. Well, you never know, man. Like, you know, what is, what is a soul anyway, man? Like, we circle the globe. You well, know what I we'll mean? find out at we're the bones end of and we're, we're bones and we're flesh, man. You know what I mean? The spirit, the soul. Who knows where it all goes? I think I'm headed upstairs. I think that hopefully they've got a private suite for me. You know, I don't want to have to associate with yeah, all the commoners, okay. is that, you know. Is that right? Yeah, I want something kind of cosy, just in the jacuzzi, you know, the kind of sets. I, I've got a whole visualisation of how I want to be set up there, basically, you know. Um... I'm thinking kind of Jabba the Hutt style, you know? Of course you are. I'm one of the few people who saw Jabba the Hutt as aspirational. Uh, now, um, we have some sad news, actually, Rich, uh, to bring us all back to reality. R.I.P. Robbie Robertson uh, of the band, a major, major talent. Um, he was 80, and I wasn't even aware he was that old. Um, you know, he was a founding member of the band, uh, Bob Dylan... Um, they obviously backed Bob Dylan in the mid-60s, late-60s, went their own way, you know, had incredible songs like The Wait, um, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, and, and many others. A, a great, a great band, and he was a fantastic performer. 
and guitarist and songwriter. Uh, and, yeah, his loss is keenly felt. Um, not underrated. I think he was very highly rated, and it's just sad to, to you know, I mean, we're all getting older, man, and he was 80. You know, Bob's about 82, 83, I think. You know, um, these guys are on the sort of like, you see, I saw Paul McCartney was playing a concert the other night or preparing for one. I mean, he's getting no younger. Um, a lot of legends, man, who are looking at the looking at the exit door, you know? Mm. Seriously. You know, and yeah. and and like if we're being brutally honest, well past their prime as well, you know? So it's kinda like what they've given us is what they're gonna give us by this point, you know? And that's sort of sad to me. I mean, I always think Bob's got another album in him. I mean his last album was excellent. But I mean, how long can Bob stay alive, man? Do you think he's got another 20 years? I'm yeah. sure he would hope so, but uh, mm. uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wouldn't describe I, him as in the peak of health when I see him. What should I say? I think <laughs> if he gets another five to six, he'd probably be happy. <laughs> what well, must be frustrating for those guys is when you're walking around and you're worth like, you know, 500 million or a billion bucks or something and you're just like seriously I can't stop you know obviously they can do things to sort of slow the aging process you know with the, with all their money but at a certain point the body's going to collapse you know what I mean like it's just impossible yes, well we haven't we haven't um, we haven't uh, beaten death yet so unfortunately no. they, they yeah they can sort of prolong it they can put it off a little bit but mm. uh, there's nothing they can do the reaper man He's a coming. The Reaper, he's a coming. He's coming for you. Um, I mean, Bob Dylan literally writes songs about him, the Black Rider and stuff. You know, Bob, I think Bob sees him on a fucking daily. He just looks across the room and the Reaper's just sitting there watching him. That could be. Play another song, Bob. Sure. <laughs> yeah. He's probably old friends. But, you know, anyway, like, look, he was a great artist, Robbie Robertson. Um, if you haven't seen... Um, or heard of the band? If you're a younger listener, I certainly, you know, understand that. Check them out on on Spotify, Apple Music. They've got some great songs. Um, there's a great music documentary called The Last Waltz, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, who was like he, one of his best friends. Like Martin Scorsese released a very long tribute to him today or yesterday, saying he was his best friend, and they collaborated on many projects over the years. He'd scored many of his movies, but The Last Waltz is is the uh, when the band decided to break up in sort of about 6, 76, 77, somewhere around there, and Scorsese directs it. It's one of the best concerts, movies of all time, and, you know, Dylan's obviously there. Um, the band's there playing. Uh, Neil Young's there, Johnny Mitchell, Neil Diamond. It's it's a fantastic, beautiful documentary, beautifully shot, just fantastic. No, he doesn't get in the way of it. Um, it's great, and... Yeah, and Rob Robertson's all through it because, as I said, he went he went on to collaborate a lot with Scorsese over the years. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, the sad news. But in you know on the you know that's the that's the end. We all we all face the exit sign. Let's turn away from the exit sign. Let's embrace our inner child. I finally got the Wolverine on the bike, the Marvel Legends Wolverine on the motorbike that I've been dreaming of, Rich. Oh, nice. That I've been talking about now for several weeks. Um, it arrived. It's what I was dreaming of. Um, it is what I was hoping for. Um, the broken person inside me is healed, you know. Um, the pieces are all fitting back together. I'm a whole person again, Rich. I'm in a good mood tonight, man. Healed spiritually, maybe not spiritually, 
uh, you know, so my, my soul is healed and my body is healed. And what, what else is there, Rich? My finances are healed. You know, I'm earning money. Cash is coming in. The body's good. Tick. Uh, and I've got my motorbike. My Wolverine motorbike. Tick. How does it get any better from here, Rich? I don't know, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, maybe it's all over now. Well, I'm happy if I'm the king on his throne, which is how I view myself. I'm happy. I'm content. I won't execute anyone tonight. You know, which would be a rare night for me as king. Because I tell you what, I've often thought if I was jabber, there'd be plenty of people going down to that rancor. You know, and um, but I'd be in such a good mood. I'd I'd be like, just let the band play. I'm just going to groove in my chair. You know, I'm in a good mood now. I also have. There's a few reasons I'm in a good mood. The this frag appendium. It's called a compendium of all things main man. Um, I came across the, there was some news that's come out over the last few days, which has got me super excited. Um, but we'll focus on this first. So basically, this was a Kickstarter project by this guy called, called James Asriel, um, who I believe is the and Danny Ramiro. Now, I believe he's the Guinness Build record holder of the largest collection of Lobo DC comics and memorabilia. Um, and so this fragpendium, it um, highlights the key moments of Lobo's tenure, including chapters on the Omega Men, Legion, his own series, his love for holiday specials, his daughter Crush, Marvel crossovers and more, with participation from Lobo creator, alumni Alan Grant, Art Balthazar, Bernard Chang, Franco, Greg Luzniak, Peter David, and Riley Brown. Also included is a very detailed library catalogue of every single appearance Lobo has made since his creation in 1983 through January 2023. Um, it comes in at, I th- want to say it's at least 300 pages, 416 pages. Now, it was kickstarted. Um, like last year, I didn't know about it, or, or I just somehow it escaped my attention. But I got it on Amazon, um, and I, and I've picked it up on Amazon. So I, it's going to probably be with me by next show. So I am looking forward to this band. And I said to Tash, I said from now on, this is it for me. Like you know how people who have the Bible by their bedside and stuff. For me, it's in the Fragpendium. From now on, Richard. Um, Fair enough. I'm just so happy, Rich. Like, this is why I'm happy, really. Because something has finally... We, we, we buy so many things. We exchange so many things. We get things, and they give us some pleasure. But every now and then you stumble across what I call an uncut gem, you know? And I'm just like, this is the true source of the power. And David has stumbled across it in the desert, in the wilderness. If we're going to get biblical, I was stumbling around in the wilderness. Uh... I looked for my Dark Lord, and he delivered the main man, the Fragpendium. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's almost biblical. It's almost holy, you know? Um, who does, who says the Dark Lord doesn't deliver, Rich? You know? <laughs> um, that's a good question, Dave. <laughs> Are you going to be picking up the Fragpendium, Richard? I'm not hearing a lot of excitement down your end of the channel. Uh, I'm happy that you're picking it up. Well, yeah, I'm super happy. Now, apparently, um, there was an unreleased Lobo Sega Genesis game, um, which they were playing. They got their hands on somehow. Um, so from back in the day, they've got the old cassette, you know, Jesus Christ, I remember that, the 
the the Sega cassettes and stuff, Rich. You know, when, when was that? Like nineties, yeah, like late nine, late nineties or mid to late nineties. Am I right? Sega Genesis. You mean cartridges? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been yeah, nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember I played um, Mortal Kombat on them. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it looks like. It looks like from that time period. So yeah, there's the fake Pendium. Now we have more news, Richard. About and I'm bringing this. Lay it on me. I'm bringing this up to the this this is a report on the Chuck Dixon um, website on Facebook. Uh, Dixonverse and various spies. Uh, Michael Kellishin was one of them. Reported this in. So DC Compendiums are coming out. These are the big soft covers that run over a thousand pages. Um, the the Starman Compendium is a recent example. There's a, quite a lot of them coming out at the moment. Um, Kyle Rayner is getting one. Um, the Ron Mars. Uh, Kyle Rayner, Run is getting the first volume of that. Uh, Chuck Dixon's Robin is getting the first compendium. Comes out, I believe, mid next year, twenty twenty four. Also, his Nightwing is getting a um, compendium now. So that's that's great. Um, and then Michael says, in more appeasement to Dave, in twenty twenty four, DC will also release a Lobo compendium, which is running over thirteen hundred pages, Rich which I will be buying as well. And a Garth Ennis Hitman one. Um, so Hitman's getting one as well. The guy, did you ever read Hitman, Rich? Yeah, we did on the show. Oh, well, we've got to do more. I love Hitman. Um, and, yeah, and I've never... Because I came on to it late. I remember him being a thing but i just didn't pick it up i would have picked it up if I'd, i i probably should have been more experimental at the time but i just wasn't um but i remember i always remembered him turning up in jla and i was very interested by him um and i've got them all digitally and anyway so they're going to be doing a hitman compendium uh next year as well um and they're also releasing uh william meissner Loeb's flash omnibus so hopefully he'll get some royalties because we're about to cover he's having some serious, serious, really bad health issues at this moment in time. I'm just trying to work out if the Hitman one is an omnibus or a compendium because, um, you know, like in an ideal world, I'd be buying a Lobo omnibus, but I'll settle for a compendium, you know, just to have it on my shelf. Um, what's your preference, Rich, an omnibus or a compendium? The soft, co- the big soft cover, or do you prefer the, the omnibus? Uh, I, the hard covers... Uh, I, I do prefer the hardcovers just because yeah. um, they just look better on the shelf and they don't fray over time. Yes, you look after exactly. Yeah, well, I agree with you there. And I do wonder, though, um, well, I don't know. Like, DC put out the Nightwing, the Robin, and the Birds of Prey of Chuck's run, at least the first sort of half of each of them, and I think they did very well. Um, but yeah, like I'm always, I can't believe that there hasn't been a Lobo Omnibus, you know, out. Yeah, but I'll, but I'll buy the Compendium for sure. And whether it's an Omnibus or a, um, Compendium for Hitman, I'll buy that. So that's for me, all buys. I'm going to be getting, I probably want to get the Kyle Rayner only because I read it all. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't need, I've read, I read the whole thing at the time. But I'll definitely get um, the Robin, the Nightwing, because um, then I can get rid of my trades of Nightwing, and then I can also get Lobo and Hitman. I mean, that's four from four for me. Would you pick up the Robin and Nightwing, Rich? I, I know you're a bit of a... Oh, Nightwing, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Eh, Robin, maybe. I mean, I've never really... I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've never really liked the Tim Drake 
Um, I, I I hear you, but Shark did do a very good job. I would say no, that. no, he did, yeah. but I just don't like the character. Like, no, that's why I've always followed Nightwing or uh, Grayson. Like, yeah, I've well, just followed yeah. him and his career just because he's just a better character. Well, I'll say this: I I think Chuck's Nightwing run. I I read it like oh god, no, I love it. It's, his it's fucking it's fucking great. Like, and I read that only in the last five years. I I didn't read it at the time. I just didn't pick up Nightwing. And what Nightwing I read would have been tie-ins to you know No Man's Land and stuff. But I read his whole run. I think it's seventy issues and a couple of one shots. It's brilliant. Like, uh, and when I oh, finished fantastic. it, when I finished it, I was just like, "Give me more!" And it, you know, mm-hmm. someone's done seventy issues on a comic, and you finish it, and you're like, "Man, I just want more of that." Like, so, I, and that's an unbiased um, review because that, that 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 I literally I never read it. I picked it up, and I was like, "This is fucking great." What I love about it is, you know, what I liked about it. He does do stuff with Batman and everything, but he very much has his own story in Bloodhaven. And yeah, yeah, uh, uh, well, Bloodhaven, yeah, Bloodhaven, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like it was fantastic. Yeah, like yeah, no, uh, so. uh, best Nightwing, hands down. Never, oh, easily, easily. He, I, I'd say I, I've read other Nightwing. I mean, I, rev- I reviewed Nightwing for a long time for Batman Universe years ago. Um, and and like, there's a lot of it that's okay. You, you know, you're like, yeah, it's good, but like, I thought. Also, his artist, he, he did a lot of art with Scott McDaniel, who I think was really well-suited to it. Um, yes. He wasn't the only artist, but he's the one I remember. I, I felt he, he was a... Well, but yeah, he, the two of them kind of started that and worked for so long that, yeah, you just... Uh, he, he did a lot of Batman work as well, but you, yeah. just, you just remember his... Um, his uh, Nightwing, like him 100%. and Chuck, just work so well, and because they launched that sort of Nightwing title, yeah, yeah, you you just associate his art with with Nightwing. Yeah, that no, was so cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's that's all big news that's come out, and I'm very happy with that. Now, Richard, you will laugh at this. So you know how I've always talked about the aliens and the ancient aliens and all that stuff. I, I found out where it all comes from. It comes from this fucking book called Chariot of the Gods. That's the original thing in the 60s that, that brought it up. And so I got the book, or the audio book, and I've been listening at night. And, man, this guy is full on. He's talking about shit like in ancient Rome, like these big amphitheaters being landing platforms for spacecraft. Like, seriously, I'm not kidding, man. He's, he's really fucking out there, man. I thought I was out there. I was like, wow, and this guy just spins it. He'll just say, yeah, this and this and this. Uh, like they have um, maps of the globe that are dating back way before people had circumnavigated the globe and Antarctica and everything, and like it clearly comes from like a spaceship floating above Egypt. I mean, I don't know how true any of this is, but it's... it's none fun- of it. <laughs> Did you say none of it? Is that what yep. you said? Wow, big claim, Rich. No, not really. I said to Michelle, it's real. And she said, "Yeah, of course you did." Yeah. I said, "It's real. It's but this guy who's doing this, and and he's heavily involved with the ancient alien stuff as well on the History Channel. Um, so, uh, how has he got the information, Rich? That's what I like. Has he just researched like all the cultures, or has he just made it up on the spot? Like, what he's is just made it up on the spot, bro? What? So he's just said like the Colosseum, clearly a landing pad for alien spacecraft." Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, he's just gone. Hmm, how can I spin this? What? What yeah. makes perfect sense? 
Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, look, in all honesty, I, I get that. I get, but some of it though makes me think. I mean, to be to be honest, there's so much of it, it that he just bombards you with it. It's just one after another. That's it's not actually. It's not when you when I'm, I'm used to reading like the fuller Roman stuff where they present the information. They kind of build in the narrative. You know, it goes a bit slower. Whereas he's just like boom, 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 like. It's alien, 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 alien. This guy's really insistent about the whole thing. And mm-hmm. what I would just love to see is some actual evidence. I, I know he's citing evidence, um, but it's kind of like where you're taking the word of one guy is the danger to me. It's like a cult yeah, leader. The, the problem for me is the evidence that they supposedly claim is just stuff that they made up themselves. And they're like, my evidence is the stuff I made up. You know, it's like... Yeah. That's not how it works. You don't get to make up your own yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, yeah. theory and say, that's what it is. See, I've got the proof. And well, yeah, like, you, you can have a theory, true. but if you're citing your own, well, I mean, my evidence is that I'm saying underwater, like there used to be massive alien spacecraft arriving every single day and they would fly away and that was it. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, that's not really evidence to me. That's just, you're almost you're just telling us. theory. Well, but, but also, though, it's like telling a story. Like, if I'm telling the story of, like, Demorn, the new Demorn book, I'm telling a story and I'm making it seem like it's real. You know what I mean? Like, the whole, like, all fiction. Like, we're watching Avengers Endgame. You know, you're supposed to be watching it thinking it's really stakes and stuff. But, like, it's fictional. So, I'm, that's kind of where I am with this guy. I'm like, some of the stuff makes me think. But other stuff, I'm just like, dude, this sounds like you've just made it up like now, you've just gone. Oh yeah, it, everyone knows. Like the uh, alien uh, pyramids, blah blah blah. And, and I just, I was hoping for a little bit more depth. I think I, I like the crackpot nature of it, and I don't actually think he's wrong in the sense of like I believe there have been. Civil, I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Civilizations before recorded time, you know, is if you think about like the length of time, the Earth has you know just continued on. And how little of it is recorded history, you know, just about yeah, that. But, 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 for it to be lost civilizations, just you have to at some point find the remains of the civilizations. Mm. Like, and we haven't, we haven't even found like Atlantis one, that, and, and we still haven't even found like fucking Troy. Mm. Like, and that's supposedly, you know, I thought like they did find Troy. Fiction. I thought they found no, Troy. They've, no, they still haven't found it. Okay. Not well, not efficient. Not that they can say with absolute certainty. No, I thought they found is, it like in the early early twentieth century. No, 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 no. They still haven't found. It. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I thought it was interesting. Um, I believe more in um, that stuff than I believe in like gods. You know what I mean? That was some of the stuff he was saying. Like, I, I watched the movie as well, and um, there are these cave paintings with hunters drawing them and then people with like sort of like uh, helmets with antennas on them amongst the beasts. Stuff like that. So what do you think? Yeah, I just, I don't, I just, I'm not opposed to it being real. I just, I need proof before I, Okay. before I I, Here here we go. The the ancient Greek, Poem, uh, poet Homer wrote of the city of Troy, but in medieval times its location was forgotten and many doubted it existed at all. I mean, it's in Asia Minor. Everyone knows that. An enthusiastic amateur, Henrik Schulman, 
was determined to find the fabled city. He actually did find the site and a great treasure trove besides. Yeah, that's what I thought too. He, he, he found I'm it. I'm pretty sure that's been disproven though. Has it really? Okay, I wasn't aware I think of that. So. Again, I could be remembering wrong, but I remember watching something where they said that it turned out to not be. But Okay, well, the, the one I'm but thinking of is, is that We one. still haven't found tons of like lost civilizations. Mm. Um, but could that know, be because... Found, like, but we've only found so many dinosaurs. Like We haven't found squillions of them. Okay, so what are you saying that these lost civilizations existed before the dinosaurs, or during? Okay, so we we found dinosaur bones and all that. Where's the, some? Where's the, but not many. No, yeah, but we still haven't found. <laughs> Listen, we 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 the, we can date these dinosaur bones back pretty far. Apparently, mm. like we still haven't found any really like. Yeah, I hear you saying. Yeah, any bits of civilization or, or proof of civilization that's even close to like a super city dinosaur. with technology that's like beyond where we are Not now. Not even that. Like even even if you just find some sort of like um, structure or um, equipment or something that when you date it is like, mm. you know, you're like, holy shit, this is like, you know, this is dated with the dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like mm. we haven't found anything like that. That's why I just say like, would it be cool? Of course it would be cool. Super cool. But I just don't. <laughs> But you know what I mean? But I just can't believe that kind of fiction without sure. actual evidence. You know what we need to get on? But it makes for great fiction. I watch a movie. What would, be, movies, what would be the profession, like, to get someone on who's not just a UFO guy, but someone who's into, like, ancient civilizations? Like, what, what profession is that? Someone who could come on and comment on this stuff. With, who's I mean, done an archaeologist. Some, like an archaeologist, yeah, okay, that's what I'm talking about. But we need to get one of those. But I want one who's open to it, who just isn't like, you know, someone who's thought about this kind of shit. I'm going to look for it yeah, on the but internet. To be fair, I think the only ones you're going to find are going to be the crackpot. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's see. We'll, we'll 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 keep our eyes open. We'll keep our eyes open. My my mind's fucking open at the moment, man. I've had my I I saw some my massage today. I don't think your mind's ever been closed, Dave. <laughs> I was, as I was having my massage today and the pain was leaving my body, I was thinking, like, how many times have I lived before? You know, and, like, even, like, what is life was what I was thinking. Like, it, I had this moment where I was like, we, we accept one version of life. Like, we're on the fucking treadmill. You know what I mean? Like, we accept that because we have to. But... It, isn't it funny that that's all what we've all accepted kind of thing in our modern society? Like, you have to accept it. But I was like, wow, I wonder what it was like in a previous life. You know, or what if about it if you were wandering around in, like, prehistoric times, you know, during the dinosaurs and stuff? My mind was, like, floating, man, you know? Like, I, I you know, I was, I was just thinking about things like that. Like, I was like, we, we chain ourselves to these very narrow, kind of like very fixed goals, which and we have to, you know, we actually have to if we want to be successful. But then the opposite side is like, I was thinking, you know, I could throw it all in and just write. And, you know, would that make me happier? Maybe. It would be more fulfilling? I would say definitely. Um, uh, I, I would love a life where I just woke up and went to my table and started drawing. Mm. Like, being artistic and creative and all that sort of stuff, but you know we don't. Not we're not all sort of lucky enough, I guess, maybe to to get that, or we take longer to work towards that and all that. But I mean, or, or sometimes you've got to like make the effort before mm. you can do that. But 
I mean, yeah, but but the problem is, is it's all, all these thoughts and all that are fanciful, and they're great yeah. and they're fun and all yeah. that. But yeah, you have to focus on the now, bro. Like, yeah, um, there's no point going like, oh, maybe in my next life I'll fucking achieve something. You can't do that. You have to. No, I wasn't. I wasn't talking about the next life. I'm saying you. I'm saying people in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you kind of got to live in that like now. You yeah, know, and and you, you can't get too caught up on uh, kind of what if. And, yeah, look, it's fun to think about when you're bored or. Well, I was you know, I was literally getting a massage, so my mind was like very relaxed. You know, super mm-hmm. as relaxed as I possibly get because I'm quite a highly strung person. You know, and but like I've noticed this week I've been calmer than usual. And partly it's because I've got a few days off coming. I, I haven't had a days off in ages, so I've been pretty burnt out. But, but I was just like calmer, and my brain was moving a bit slower. And I've often been convinced that um, I, when I was reading Virginia Woolf's diaries, I was thinking I reckon I was alive when she was alive in that period, you know, and like a tangential member. I'm I'm serious. I was reading those diaries, and I felt like I was getting this is years ago when I was reading them. I was getting like flashbacks, man, you know? And I was just like, wow, I feel like something's going on here, you know, in an interesting way too. Like it was, it was, yeah, I, I recognised a like soul, you know? And I was just like, yeah. Yeah, but that, but, yeah, but that, that's just our sort of ability to empathise and mm. connect with something and all that. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be any deeper than that. Mm. I mean, if you want to, I guess it can, but... You know what I mean, but mm. it's it's yeah. It I guess something has, has resonated with you. It's connected with you. You, mm. you know, and, and to be fair, that is what a lot of literature and all that sort of stuff is. I mean, that's mm. why we why we enjoy literature and, and we read and all that is is to be uh, to have something connect to resonate to mm. to, to feel some. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's mm. that's the whole point of of entertainment, media, literature is to elicit those responses and those mm. feelings from us. Otherwise, it's not really doing its job. <laughs> so you're saying I wasn't alive in a, in a previous life with a Virginia Woolf? Is that what I'm you're saying? I'm saying it, it made you feel like that, Dave, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a good thing. Anyway, so that's the kind of stuff I've been thinking of. And also, I'm also in a great mood because I'm playing, finally playing Spider-Man. And can I say, now, I know you have a thing against open world games, and I was wondering where this one fits on your... Because it's kind of open world. It has a lot of side missions, but there's a very strong narrative thread. It's pretty good, actually, Rich. Have you, have you checked this game I out? I don't mind things with a narrative thread. The only issue I have with... And it's kind of what turned me off of even the, Bat game, the Batman games after a while, mm. is I don't like um, repetition. Sure. Do well, there's you know plenty I mean? of that. Like... Um, I don't mind something having a story, but when you're just fighting the same, like, bad guys over and over. Like, I was watching the gameplay of it, and, like, he was fighting, like, I don't know, felt like 20 guys. Yeah. But it was just, like, the same moves over and over and do, you know what I mean? And that's mm. also the problem with the Batman games is when they went open world and you fight, you know, just do tap this and tap this. And it's also what I didn't like about the Assassin's Creed as they became more action-packed. It was just, like, you know, press this to... to to fight and you basically just own them all and all that. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like empty, um, uh, re- repetitive 
uh, sort of combat. You know, that's I mean? what I love. Like, that's my exact. My, my no, uh, yeah, well, that's it. You, you, you're, you, you, the, you, the Ubisoft guy. You love to copy and paste. <laughs> yeah, I get it, but it is good. I tell you what, I, I, I had some reservations about it, but Adam, the computer, has been telling me for years to play it, and I was suddenly like, you know what, I'm going to play it, and I, and I got the the PS5 upgrade, which pissed me off that I had to pay for it, but I paid for it, 25 bucks. And um, and I'm playing it. I've already completed like 19% of it. Um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Like, honestly, better than I expected. Now, everyone I knew, including quite casual gamers, had told me how good it was. So I, I did it. It was also the feeling I knew it would be a grind game, which it is. Like, I, I knew what it would be. And it is very kind of like Assassin's Creed in a sense where you go to, you know you unlock all the different areas and you clear out this and do this and you do this and it's all for building them, building the character up and blah, blah, blah. Um, and when, you, when you're sitting at the start of a game like that, I often find that can feel quite daunting because I'm like, man, i got to do all this again. But it is fun. And it is Spider-Man and they really do capture the feel of the character. Like it's well-written, you know, good voice acting. Um, I'll be interested to see what the PS5 graphics are like because I've just upgraded it. So hopefully they're a bit better because the graphics definitely showed a bit of age because um, it came out like in 2019. But yeah, no, it's... I mean, I'm really enjoying it. Like, honestly, any anything I've said are nitpicks, you know. Like it's, it is it is a lot of fun. And I know they're doing um, a Wolverine game and they're doing Spider-Man 2, which I know has Venom. So yeah, um, pretty excited, man. Now... We didn't even ask you, Rich. What have you been watching and reading while well, I've been doing all this great stuff about thinking so, about all these thoughts? I've been doing a lot of drawing this um, uh, this week, mm. um, and I've been I found a six hour YouTube video mm. of the old nineteen sixty six Marvel uh, animated shows. So, like cool. uh, Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man. Um, From when the sixties? Nineteen sixty six. Yeah. Wow. And you know what? It's been a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> well, I, be... I've definitely seen the Captain America one. That's where Captain America throws his mighty shield and all that, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's set in World War Two, mm-hmm. um, and it's like how Bucky discovers his secret and then becomes the sidekick and uh, and all that sort of stuff and all that. It's um, it was just so much fun, and uh, uh, I, I was really just thoroughly loving because I, I kind of treated it like a radio play. I wasn't really watching it; mm. I was listening. You know what I mean? I was mm. listening to it, mm. uh, and it was just so—it was so campy, so cheesy, so much fun. Um, yeah, that it was great. So I, I've been listening to like about six hours of. <laughs> of What's of the Hulk one like, Rich? Because I don't think I've ever seen the Hulk one. It's pretty fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, it even has like this old sixties like uh, Doctor Banner doesn't like Gamma. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like such a cheesy like. Um, tune, yeah. Um, uh, but but fun, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then Iron Man's got his own theme song and Captain America and all that. And then they even have a, a thing where the Avengers find Captain America frozen, yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, they introduce, you know, then you see Hang Giant Man, Ant Man, and Wasp and all that. And there was a funny story that even had the chameleon in it who was impersonating Captain America, which wow. then led to the real Captain America and Iron Man fighting. Um, because you know, Iron Man thought he was an imposter and all that sort of stuff. Oh, there was a Thor one too. That was that was pretty funny as well. The Thor one because uh, that's, that's when like Thor and Doctor Blake and he he can't hold it if he doesn't hold his hammer for like 
two minutes or something like that, he converts back. Which, to, which comes from the comics. Like, that was in the comics as well, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Kirby and Stan Lee stuff and all that sort of stuff. So it was just fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to call it animation. It's kind of like still, still pictures. Yes. With some movement, but it's still, as I said, I've been listening to it and it's just been a hell of a lot of fun. So That's great. if anyone's interested into it, I definitely recommend uh, recommend it and all that sort of stuff. So um, this was on YouTube, yeah? Yeah, I found it on, on, on YouTube. Um, it's called, um, let's see if I can find it quickly. Oh, yeah, The Mighty Marvel Marathon. All right, I'm going to check it out myself. I think it sounds yeah, like a lot of fun. Six, six hours, man. Six wow. hours of, of, um, of 96. Was there Spider-Man as well? No, they didn't. It's 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 as I said. It's Hulk. It's Namor. It's Captain America. It's Thor. It's Iron Man. It's the mm. Avengers. Cool. Uh, they didn't do the Spider Man at the time. But I yeah. must admit, I've checked out on Disney Plus Spider Man and his Amazing Friends from the eighties, from the very mm. early eighties. And I remember that as a kid. I used to love it as a kid. Um, so it's always a lot of fun to check that one out. I think I I I, I have very nostalgic memories about that cartoon because uh, I remember that was what got me into Spider Man. Basically, I think. <laughs> um yeah well guess who watched flash michelle and her mother we watched it the other night and i thought i'd get obviously i'd given my reviews I, I i always say look i had some fun with it it's extremely flawed i gave it a seven but i had lots of reservations now michelle uh we watched it she gave it a six um i said what you know she said look it's it's entertaining you know but she gave it a six. And I said, what let it down for you? She goes, everything to do with Flash. The actor for her is the biggest letdown. She hates Ezra Miller, um, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's annoying, you know, and watching it again with her, uh, the sort of flaws of Ezra Miller as Flash were just so apparent. Um, this is her review, really. She said, Michael Keaton was excellent. She liked Supergirl. She, and and she thought the Supergirl character was good. It was a shame she got killed. And actually watching it again, I was like, yeah, that actress was good. Um, then we got to the... I was interested to see, because she's a huge Nick Cage fan, I was interested to see what she thought of the stuff at the end. She knew George Clooney was going to be at the end, because I told her. Um, but all the stuff, when it goes George Reeves, and then the guy from the Flash TV show, um, and then... Um, Nick Cage and Christopher Reeve and all that. Uh, she said Nick Cage looks stupid. She couldn't get over the hair and she kept saying, why does he look like Fabio? And as well, watching it again, oh, my God. Even when Christopher Reeve comes in, she was like, oh, that's cool. They just looked, him him and Supergirl, look so much like just mannequins from Madame Tussauds, you know? Um, they really do. And I even said to Michelle before we did the show, why couldn't they have just cut in one of the many fucking images of Christopher Reeve flying down and standing there like you did all the time in the Superman movies? Like, there's so many times he did that. Surely you could just cut that image in instead of they digitally recreated it. And it he looks good, much better than Nick Cage, but he really looks like a wax model, you know? Um, so there's that. Nick Cage looks really bad when you look at it. You, when you look at it, you're like, actually, that looks re like really bad. Well, that, that's the thing I will say where, where I do believe that Marvel just absolutely kicks Warner Brothers' ass is mm. their, their CG is just so much better. Mm. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, Warner Brothers, they, their CG, and, and, and I think that's been their biggest problem 
with uh, a lot of their movies because I'm sorry, the CG in um, in Flash is pretty fucking terrible. In fact, someone was showing uh, a, a comparison, mm. uh, kind of like a side by side, and they were showing the fights in Man of Steel, mm. um, uh, which they do kind of reference, like when uh, oh, Superman is fighting. Yeah, the the fight scene is very reminiscent to the um, uh, when the Kryptonians are fighting the soldiers. Well, it's, it's the same sort of stuff. fight, yeah. Yeah, but but done cheaper, looking mm. cheaper and more fake and all that. And I was like, yeah, they they need to spend more money on their fucking animation, man. Like seriously, <laughs> like uh, on, on their CG, it's just it's fucking woeful. Man. Well, and it's so weird as well. Um, it, to me, it's just so sort of like the fact that these companies don't put the money in to make it look good because. For me, the uh, what can I say? The the negative fallout from it is just so bad. Like it went when when you fail, you just lambasted. Like you lose so much box office. Like why not put? If you're gonna do it, do it right. You know that's kind of what my attitude is. If you're bothering to do it, put the money in to at least make it look passable. I think the Nick Cage thing was really a cool idea. Like a really cool idea, and I think. If they'd made that him look better, they could have sort of they almost hit him with his hair because it was almost like they were embarrassed of the face, you know. And then the hair parts, you see the face, you're like, wow, that looks like something from like a sort of like an old PS4, early, you know what I mean? Like uh, you know, Xbox One early graphics, like where it's like it's not, you know terrible but it's not like no one's thinking man that's lifelike you know um that's what it looked like it and i'm just i i it staggers me they can't do better you know if you're bothering to do it do better um the, the concept of it i liked and watching the film again i was like yeah michael keaton he helps out more than i realized in the movie just being more bearable it is quite entertaining like it, that's the thing there's a decent movie in there but ezra miller is he is annoying like it's just he's just it comes down to the person who cast him all those years ago and the fact they didn't recast him he's just terrible as flash you know and he, he, he i mean his supporters will say that's just how he acts i'm like yeah it is it's annoying and he he stands out like he really jarring jarringly i would say and you just never feel like you're watching a character you feel like you're watching a really annoying actor you know and i just uh, the movie kind of fails there and i and because he's in it for so much but there is some interesting ideas and stuff and like it's you can kind of see that there's a decent story in a sense and bits of it are good and it's quite enjoyable, but it's you can't give it a high score because there's just too much other stuff weighing it down. It's it's a frustrating film in that respect. But I don't think I'll ever watch it again, but I was interested to watch it with Michelle and get her thoughts, but she gave it a six. And, I mean, she said, look, it's entertaining, but she goes, I can't fucking stand this, this guy, you know? Like, she just couldn't get over how fucking annoying he was. Um, now... I'm still grinding through Smallville Season 5. I'm up to an episode, uh, Rich, where um, uh, Lana was meeting her dead parents and stuff, like going into sort of flatlining. 
and going into sort of like almost death. And Clark did as well, and he, and he saw John Schneider, um, Jonathan. He told him that Lana Luther knows you, Superman, because that was revealed a couple of episodes ago. It was intense, man. I, I'm loving this season. Season five, of Smallville, my favorite season of Smallville by far. I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's, I think uh, it's peaked. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as I said, I'm pretty. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it was six. Mm. Well, after six is when it kind of loses the steam. Becomes yeah, a little. Less enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I remember checking in on it a season or maybe two seasons after this, and I could see the steam was running out of the show, even though it looked good. I, I could tell. Whereas watching it from the beginning as this, I really, honestly, I found it very enjoyable. I actually feel that probably I slept on this. You know, I was snobbish towards this show. And if I'd watched this at the time, I would have loved it because I think it's very of its time. This is a time period where I feel DC Comics were very strong, you know? Yeah, well, the, the, look, the biggest problem with Smallville is when it stopped being in Smallville. Mm. So what, once they started hanging out in Metropolis and he started working for the planet and he See, I like started that. Becoming... No, but the problem is, is then... But he's doing all the stuff that Superman is supposed to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the but, whole yeah. point of Smallville... And this is where you could then turn and say, well, now it's become... A, then it's become its own... Mm. It's no longer the origin story of the proper Superman. It's a completely different Superman. But I really enjoyed the whole Smallville thing. And I here's my personal opinion, right? Mm. I wish the show had ended with him leaving Mm. to go to Metropolis. You know what I mean? Like you kind of end Smallville and he's kind of like he's leaving. I get that. But he's going to go get a job at the day. You know what I mean? Because then you could say, hey, that's the origin. You know, now he goes off and he becomes Mm -hmm. Superman. I, as I said, I I kind of lost interest once they started doing. Um, but I like Lois, and Metropolis. I like I like that Metropolis. Yeah, See, but, I like but, it, though, you know. But as I said, I'm, well, the difference between you is I'm willing to sacrifice that. <laughs> but man, that episode I think it was in season four where he had the red kryptonite and he went off and did his own crazy shit in Metropolis. I love that man, where yeah, he was like still a have moral. that in Smallville. Yeah. But I don't know. I just loved it, man. I, I'm enjoying it, dude. I, I know it's going to decline, but I tell you what, it's been a good ride. Like I'm five seasons in, and I'm I, I'm really, you know, a lot of shows they have that sweet spot for you as a viewer, and that's kind of where I am at the moment. It doesn't last forever. We all know this. The bloom goes off the rose or whatever. But, but um, yeah, I it's it, it's give. I'm giving it the highest compliments that I can give it. I, I actually think that. Um, I'm going to make a comment to you right now. I felt Buffy declined heavily after season four. I prefer Smallville in season five to anything Buffy did after se- from season four on. You know, um, like you know, I, I I always felt that with Buffy. I thought Buffy had a great first three seasons. I thought in season four it plateaued, and I don't think it ever got as good again. You know, I think it had seven seasons, and I honestly, I genuinely believe that. I I feel it, it's a show that declined. Um, now. I'm also, I read um, my Peter David Hulk reading. I read this great issue, Rich, which was like a solo issue of Dr. Sampson. Um, you know Dr. Sampson in Hulk? The psychiatrist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was an ep- episode with this, with this woman um, who'd been condemned to die. And basically, it was just a really good episode. Like, it made me really realise what a good writer Peter David is. You know, I was like, I was just, it was a one-shot. 
I like a one shot. I, I I always think in comics, some some of the best one shot issues sometimes for me can be the most rewarding. This this issue of this crazy eight story in this Hulk visionaries was I reckon one of my favorite um, issues of comic books I've read this year. Seriously, I, it was it was it was just incredibly good. Um, and you know everyone always talks about Peter David. I'm really coming around to realizing what a great writer he was. You know. Um, now we have a signal of doom plea for help. This is serious. This is, um, I'll read out the article and I do want to mention the fundraising campaign I have shared on my normal Facebook and on signal of doom. And I would encourage listeners to, um, you know, contribute because this is a very worthy, um, sort of fundraising goal. Uh, long time DC writer, William Messina Loeb's, um, Sorry, I just accidentally clicked off the actual um, article as I was about to read this. My apologies to everyone here. I'll, I'll go back to the start. Oh, sorry. As, literally, as I was doing it, I clicked something and it clicked off. Okay, here we go. Um, long-time DC writer William Mesner Loeb's has a GoFundMe set up to help pay medical bills and avoid eviction. 74-year-old Mesner Loeb's is a modern-day job in terms of luck. Bill and his wife lost their Michigan trailer home in 2018, due to a gas leak, and only last year, the Hero Initiative helped him find an assisted living community to live in. Just weeks after moving in, Bill had a fall, fracturing his ribs and damaging his spine. After weeks of therapy, he couldn't take care of his new home or himself, and now faces eviction due to the smell and complaints of bugs from neighbours. To top it all off, he has a bladder infection, has to wear diapers, and does not have a right arm or shoulder. That's right, the poor guy has not had a right arm or shoulder since he was an infant, but still writes and draws comics. What a badass. Um, he's really struggling. I believe his wife may have medical issues as well. I was reading into it. Um, uh, I think a lot of the storylines about the smell in the apartment have been overblown. Um, this is just a guy who's really, really struggling. And uh, the GoFundMe so far has raised over $20,000. Now, if you think about it, $20,000 goes real fast if you're dealing with a sick couple like this, an older couple, invalids. Um, fellow industry creators like Garth Ennis and Paul Levitz donating. Um, Mason Loeb's had long runs on The Flash, Wonder Woman, Doctor Fate, and Thor. Um, there's a GoFundMe up, um, and I have shared it to the Signal of Doom, you know, main Facebook page and my personal Facebook page. So if listeners, and I'll put it in the show notes. But if listeners want to contribute something, I think now's the time. Um, this is a guy who did give us some great comics and I really am shattered to hear that, you know, uh, you know, this poor guy, one arm, you know, sick wife, he's sick, you know, literally they're relying on the charity of strangers. It's it's tough, man, to think about, don't you think, Rich? Yeah, uh, it's... Yeah, it's 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 one of those, like... And it happens to so many, mm. um, which is the... The worst part is like he's not even. Um, this isn't even like a unique no no oh, no story. There's just so many um, older creators and mm. and comic pros who sort of are in this um, in the worst possible spot, really, isn't it? You know, mm. like basically their career. I don't know. It's just, it's just the the economics of it just haven't worked out in their favour at all. And on top of that, I believe he's had some pretty significant medical issues for a while. We all know how expensive that is. Um, you know, health cover in uh, US is different 
you know, it's just hard, man. Like, it's just hard, like, honestly. And I really feel for him. Um, I, I didn't know the full story. I had heard that he'd had financial issues before. I didn't quite realise it was this bad. Uh, I hadn't looked into it. I felt quite guilty about that. Um, yeah, so I'm not sleeping on this. I feel quite strongly about this, actually. I feel quite strongly that this is a deserving cause. Um, and... I look. I get it. It's a tough economy. I understand that. Oh, we all have bills to pay. I I get it. Don't don't. You know, I'm the, just like everyone else. You got to pay your bills. But if we have some spare cash cash in the kitty, I think it's worthy. Um, I'll I'll certainly be putting my money where my mouth is tonight and donating. I'll, I'll make no bones about that. Um, because I think every little bit helps. I don't think you have to write a huge check here. I think if you know people who kind of like enjoyed his work or even just respect him for like the amount of work he's done. I mean, it doesn't have to be a favourite fucking creator of all time. Uh, you know, and just if everyone would just give a little something, um, you know, I think it would help. Uh, you know, it's not going to cure everything, but it would help. I mean, clearly this is a guy who's, you know, I, I don't mean to beat everyone with a, over the head with it, but I just feel bad about the whole thing, you know. And I didn't study into it. I wasn't aware of it kind of thing. You know, I'm a bad human being in that sense as well, Rich. I wasn't like, you know what I mean? I often very sarcastic. You know, I've lobbed a few bombs in my time. None of him. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think of Peter David as well, man. Like, they're, they're, they're in hospitals. They're invalids. Like, you know, and they're financial. It almost boggles my mind. Maybe not with him because I think Messner Loeb's, his kind of glory days were the 80s. But when I think of Peter David, I mean, he was doing stuff like this year. So he's still been working. But it just tells me that, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised. Well, that's all I'll say. I'm surprised that he's hurting financially because I would have thought that the amount of books he'd done, you know what I mean? Like Peter David has done a lot of books that have sold well and still sell, but that tells me the revenue stream can't be that high. That Would, would you be slightly surprised by that as well? Not by Messner Loeb's because his stuff is back in the day, but Peter David was still producing comics like this year, you know? Like... What's yeah. your thoughts? I don't know. I just, I just. But, the, but, you know. the, but this is where, as I said to you, it's it's such a shame to me that these guys who are still talented, mm. who are still to me the superior talent, mm. are just left to sort of rot mm. while the comic industry hires cheaper and cheaper talent, mm. and and has a sinking ship. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what makes it even worse. Is, is is not that like, you know, that these people don't even like have the support and all that sort of stuff. Is yeah, it is even worse. Is that the the comic industry, which is floundering, mm. couldn't even be bothered to reach out and say, "Hey, these these guys fucking built. Yeah. Maybe you know, let let's let's bring them in, get them working again." I mean, they're doing it a little bit, you know, got, got Tom Tom DeFalco, but give them the actual mainline shit, you know, yeah. and say, "Hey." fucking save this like yeah it feels like a very recent thing where they've started throwing the pros from the 80s uh not scraps but they're throwing them a few bones now again because i think they've realized as well that the fans will actually support their stuff because they know you know like they know if they if you go and buy a tom defalco comic book about secret wars like we're going to mention you know it's gonna be pretty good i, I you know you, you know the guy's track record you know you, you, you know what i mean there's a the, a long-term fan that's a kind of feel-good factor. You know what I mean? That's more likely to be good than bad. Whereas you go in and buy the latest fucking issue of name a fucking Marvel title, Rich. 
it's a. Well, I was saying this to you um, the other day. Something that um, kind of really was annoying me is mm. is how homogenized so many of the comics feel now. Like, I was actually um, I had a couple of days off from work and I went to the comic book shop. Yeah, and I was looking at comics and I was like, oh my god, you know the covers. You know, mm. they, they, they still get the talented artists to do the covers. Yeah, and. Um, I'd pick up the cover and go, oh, this looks, mm, the art looks really good in this. And then I'd open it up mm. and it, it, all the art felt like the same person doing the same art on their tablet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like just so much of the current comic book art feels the same. It feels very samey, you know, rushed, low quality, mm. uh, low detail. And, that's such a shame because, again, when I read comics, man, there were so many great, unique artists. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you can look at, like, Rob Liefeld and Mark him and all that, but, I mean, at least he had his own style sure. compared to, like, a Jim Lee and and um, and uh, 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 McFarlane and, uh, fuck, what's the guy that did um, Savage Dragon and all that. Eric Larson. You know what I mean? But then you also had your, um, your George Perez's and you had sure. your... Uh, yeah. Kevin Maguire's and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? And I, I don't know, like, um, you know, Ed, Ed, Ed McGuinness. You, you, you know, you had your John Romita uh, Jr., mm. who even had a vastly different style to his dad, you know what I mean? Didn't even, mm. like, I don't know. I just, I missed days of when you had, like, so many great different artists working on books. Yeah. But now I just feel like it's the same cheap art in not every book. Cause I know there's some, you know, titles that do get, the, but I'm just saying in majority. Yeah. The majority of the line. It's I so fucking homogenized, man. Well, it's you know so... what it's like? It's like they used to say, and I look, and, and I don't pretend to have an encyclopedic knowledge, but you know, they used to say there's like a DC house style or something. And you know how Neil Adams, I, I, I feel with Neil Adams, they, there was a lot of Neil Adams kind of look in the seventies, you know? And I don't know how true that is, but unfortunately, what I'm trying to say is that fucking house style was actually fucking really good. Now the house styles are really shit. Yep. <laughs> like, and I, I know, and look, don't shoot me because I, I know there was a lot of different styles in the seventies. But what I'm trying to say is, I have read quite a lot of like, uh, especially Batman: Brave and the Bolds, and quite a lot of World's Finest and stuff in the seventies, and there's a look to it and it's fucking great frankly you know what i mean like honestly it really is rich like it's 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 honestly great and the house style there is a style at marvel and i assume at dc but i know at marvel and it sucks you know like it it always looks to me and that we do it we're doing a comic this week that's a marvel comic on that max rebo thing it it looks to me like they've sort of like budget done it like it's been done on like a really cheap budget or something like like it's like watching you know okay if you've got i know you don't have kids but if you've got like a niece or something who's young and you know they're watching like those kid shows and you're watching it and thinking yeah, this is fun but it's clearly done on a very kind of low budget with like low budget computer graphics and stuff because the kids don't care and it's bright and it's colorful and do you know what I mean? And, like, so you accept it. But, unfortunately, that's how I feel a lot of these comics look. They look really kind of cheap to me. They're sort of colourful but cheap. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, th I think it really throws me as a reader. I just can't get as immersed. It feels very, 
Uh, look, I know you could do it really well on a computer, but I feel they're just not doing it well on a computer sort of thing. Like, they're no, not... No, well, you, know. you can do it well on the computer. It's just that, as I said, they all seem to just be copying the same mm. style. And, and, yeah. and you know, and the, and the characters look very similar. They all got the same faces. They all got the same body types. Some do it a bit better than others. Some do it worse. But I just don't feel like there's any, like unique styles anymore you know what i mean like mm. um and that's a shame for someone like me especially someone like me who is mm. a uh you know who's into the art side of it you know what i mm. mean like I, I as i said to you i didn't really follow writers that much you know mm. what i mean like yeah i obviously i knew writers and i had some of my favorites but i used to follow artists you sure. know what i mean like if yeah. an artist yeah. went off a book i would try and find out uh what the next book was just so that i could um yeah um, uh, enjoy their art and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? So totally, man. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, um, I remember reading two thousand AD, and that had such a it was such a great experience as a young reader because you definitely had your favourite strips. Like, believe you me, I had my favourites, and but it was an anthology, and so in a comic book you would get like five different stories, usually different, nearly always a different artist on each story, you know, and you were sort of appreciate, you appreciated the different styles of art. You know what I mean? It was, it was like, I liked that there was different variations. I certainly have my favourites, don't get me wrong, but even when I was reading, I loved Simon Bisley. Like, I loved his art. But there was a period where he came on, my first 2000 day, he was doing ABC Warriors. And, like, honestly, Richard, it, it, it was one of the main reasons I, I became a lifelong, you know what I mean? Like, it died in the wool beyond just casual, you know what I mean? Like, it impacted me that greatly what he was doing with ABC Warriors. And sort of, he did it, but I think he was famously a bit, you know, sort of like classic artist, like, you know, meeting deadlines became tough for him. And they brought in another guy to do the artwork. And by no means did I like this guy as much, but I grew to appreciate it, you know, and I, I realised there was more than one way to sort of skin a cat, if you know what I mean. And, like, you, you know, and then Busy did come back and finish it off. And it was growing to appreciate there are different ways of doing it, I think, helped, you know, um, me as a reader kind of thing as a as a consumer i was like okay it doesn't all have to look the same you know whereas now i feel like they're like fucking churn and burn it like it, it almost feels like when they're drawn by computer <laughs> drawn by fucking yeah. like if you told me ai had done that max rebo thing i'd be like i'm not surprised it feels like it's been done by ai you know um, yeah, well, they, yeah, they, I mean, the, yeah, that Max Rebo is a perfect example of what is the is the current art style, and yeah. everyone kind of does that. As I said, some a bit better, some a bit worse, but I really don't feel like there's that many unique art styles in comics right now. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I'm glad we had that conversation. Now, I've got a not a bone to pick, Richard. I've got. I want. I want to get your fucking take on this because I don't know how to feel. Except I feel a bit pissed off. Okay. Now, fans are up in arms over the re-release of Red Dead Redemption 1 on PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch as Rockstar is calling the port a conversion rather than a remaster or remake and is charging $50 for this iteration of the game, which seems absurd to me. 
Um, especially when I thought it was already a PS4 game. Um, I, like, wasn't it a PS4 game? And wasn't it an Xbox One game? I'm sure it was. No, it was a... It was P, uh, it, no, uh, the original Red Dead was uh, 360 and PS4. Oh, this is... Sorry, I'm confusing with Red Dead Redemption 2. But, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I got confused. Yes, the original Red Dead Redemption... Um, one came out on 360 all those years ago, an undead nightmare, which I fucking loved. But then they did do it backwards compatible. Actually, they did do that, so you can play it on your Xbox One. Yep. But but what what I'm finding so weird apparently is they're re-releasing it and want to charge fifty bucks for it. But at the same time, you can I don't like I don't get it. Is it the graphics better, Rich? I mean, fifty dollars seems like a lot of money no, to me. No, it's basically just a port, as I explained to you. One of the reasons why people are so pissed off mm. is um, is that it's just a port. It's it's um, it's it's not an update. It's not a remaster. There's no improvements um, to the graphics. Um, it is well, literally just a. Uh, a, a port. Well, I think Rockstar are going to regret this because they were catching a lot of flack for this, and <clears throat> it didn't help that their fucking guy came out. I, the fucking corporate clone came out, crawled out of his hole, and he was like, "Oh, we feel it's an accurate reflection of the market." Well, fuck you. I'm not buying it just on principle. Like seriously, fu- I love Red Dead Redemption One. I fucking love it, and I love Undead Nightmare too. But fuck you, Rockstar. Actually, fuck you. You know. Um, I don't love it enough to pay 50 bucks if you're not upgrading it. If you said to me it was an upgrade, I reckon $25 would have been a fair price for such an old game, you know? But when I hear that what you've done is just fuck us, um, yeah, no. Like, no, fuck you. Um, am I too extreme, Rich? No, no, I mean, that's that's pretty much the, um, that's the attitude of pretty much everyone. Okay, cool. Yeah, and can I also say this? Um, that zombie thing was fucking awesome. That that zombie package um, was just absolutely classic. Like, it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. It's a great game and a great sequel as well. But you know what I thought to myself today I, or yesterday when this story broke? I'm going to dig up my... I've got Red Dead Redemption 2, like, half finished on the Xbox One. I'm just going to load that up, Rich, you know? And, and I've got Red Dead Redemption, the original, which I can play on my Xbox One if I really want to. Mm-hmm. Like, surely they'll remove that backwards compatibility, won't they? If, if they've got this game out where you've got to pay 50 bucks for it, I would have thought. Anyway, I don't know. I just, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand why they did that because it just, it seems to just want to piss people off. Um... Yeah, but they don't care. They're rock star, bro. Yeah, they're too big to fail, I guess. I guess. It's just bullshit, man. Like, and fuck you, Rockstar. Like, you made, you made a great game and you have to ruin it with just this endless bullshit. And the way this guy came in and go, oh, we think it's a fair reflection of the market. Look at the fucking market. Look at the way it's reacting to what you've done. This is what I don't no, no, get. No. What, what, here's the thing, Dave. At the yeah. end of the day, they just want... Um, they, they just want the um, – because it's not backwards compatible, you see. Mm. So what they're doing is they're just like, we just make a port and people will fucking buy it because they don't want to bring out the old console. Or, but it is know, backwards the, the, compatible. Them- it is backwards compatible. 
It is. No, 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 no. It's not backwards compatible on the PS5 and the Xbox oh. X, my friend. And I also, it's see. not on the Switch. It's going to be on the Switch now. I see. And, and it's going to be on PC and all that sort of shit. So all they're doing is just like, ah, let's just re-release the exact same fucking game. Mm. And people will buy it because because we told them to. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and, yeah. and it's like Skyrim. If Skyrim can do it, we can do it. Right. Speaking to IGN, Rockstar's parent company Take-Two has defended the price point. Company CEO Strauss Zelnick mentioned how this amount is believed to be a commercially accurate price for a release like this. He also mentioned how the add-on Undead Nightmare added great value to this particular package, although he didn't confirm whether or not it was the main reason behind the price point. Um, see, I don't think 50 bucks is great value in t- for, for, for such an old game if you haven't remastered it. Like... It pissed me off that I had to pay $25 to get PS4 to PS5 for Spider-Man. I, I think that... And this isn't even a, a fucking upgrade. I, I, I actually think this is just... Look, I get it. I, I understand. They're trying to make fucking money. But there's a smarter way to make money than what they're doing. They're, they're actively just pissing off fans. You know, and people... I'm telling you, I, I know some people will pay it. And you know what? If this had been $25, I probably would have already paid it. But I'm, I'm like, fuck you with your $50, frankly, you know, because you haven't updated the graphics. If you'd updated the graphics, I, at least you're in the conversation, but you haven't even done that. So this guy's a fucking clown. Um, I'm pissed off, man. I'm pissed off, dude. I'm, I feel like I play when I GTA 4 and I take my fucking rifle down to the park, you know? <laughs> Let's get dark. Let's get real dark. What happened to Davey, who was, like, full of happiness and light after his massage? It's turned into... Well, you made a mistake in Red News Online. It's, it's, it's turned into a fucking Soundgarden album from the... The quickest way to lose your, your good mood is to go online. Yeah, anyway, whatever, man. Fuck them. That's my response. Um, I'm going to continue playing my Spider-Man and my um, Witcher 3 in protest. I'm doing a silent protest. Not even a silent protest. It's a, it's a fully fucking vocal protest. Uh, mind you, I'm not doing much else than that. If, if if people are like, we're going to go down to the town square with placards, nah, no thanks. Can't be bothered. <laughs> you know, we're going to go and rock his house. Mm, yeah, it, I, I support it. Like, you know, cool for doing it, but I'm not going to do it. I want to get up on charges, you know? Like, if you, if you clowns want to do that kind of shit, like burn effigies of him in the streets, I, I'll laugh. It's funny to me, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to. Basically, the only thing holding me back is fear of um, police reprisal, you know, <laughs> and laziness as well. Laziness is also a factor. Yeah, that, that's a, that's. <laughs> I always like it, Dave. You're going to come protest. We're going to like you know hold. I've never been part of a protest, and they're like, we're going to walk through the streets. I'm like, yeah, sounds like a lot of work. Like. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, you, but I don't want to stand around for starters for that long. You know, I, don't, I really don't. I'm not a stand around guy. You know, with with a sign, it's just not me. You know, am, am I the guy who will p- passing by, kind of poke his nose in and have a little look and then leave? Yeah, I'm that guy for sure. Yeah, just to, just to kind of drop in, drop out guy. Sure. Yeah, hundred percent. But I don't want to stand there all day. Like, because I'm always, I'm, I, I get cynical. I might flip. You know what I mean? I might, I might flip and, and s- suddenly take the other side. <laughs> I get sick of the fucking clowns that are with me. Anyway, um, the Barbie movie's out. My sister saw it. Um, huge Barbie fan. 
Uh, she said Margot Robbie is great. Uh, Ryan Gosling is great. They make a lot of fun of Mattel. Something I didn't know is that there's tons of Barbies in the movie. Um, Margot Robbie plays the stereotypical Barbie, but there's like tons of Barbies and tons of Kens. Um, Mattel in the movie is money hungry, but slightly respectful of Barbie. It's a very self-aware movie. She said it was really well done. Um, Marvel, uh, sorry, Mattel announced the weird Barbie based on Kate McKinnon's character. I like Kate McKinnon and she plays the weird Barbie who's got like, I think, faulty parts and stuff. Um, yeah, my sister, who, by the way, is a massive Barbie fan. She said she really enjoyed it. She gave it top marks. Um, but, I mean, she also mentioned, she goes, yeah, it's for all the all the people who grew up with Barbie, but also there were tons of kids there. Um, it was a real across the ages kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I'm not surprised that there's boobies doing well, basically. Um, I, I know there's some pushback online against it. There was, it seems to have faded away over the last week. Um, I don't know what these guys were complaining about, Richard, like, honestly. Like, don't go see Barbie, you know? Like, it's Barbie. You know what I mean? It's for girls. Basically, I mean, I, I know some guys. Oh, like careful it. there, Dave. Careful. No, no. I, what I'm trying to say is, I, I know some guys will like it, and good for them. But it, it isn't for you. The guys who are complaining about how much they hate Barbie, the movie isn't for them. You know what I mean? Like they're not. It's they're not the target market. Is what I'm trying to say. It's cracked a billion dollars. Um, excellent um, domestic numbers and international numbers. Four eighty five domestically. 574 worldwide and it's just it's just crossed a billion i think the movie's still got legs rich what do you think uh yeah definitely it's uh it's doing very well mm. no denying that yeah. i mean i'm definitely not the uh sure i'm definitely not the target audience but i mean i have no problems with people if they enjoy it they enjoy it yeah it's it's made 41 million here which is a lot for an australian market you know because I, I look at the Australian numbers, and I'm telling you that for Australia, that's actually a fair that's actually a fair amount. Um, actually, I'll just see if I can get the Australian all time. Uh, actually, I actually want the the numbers for. Um, I'd love to know how how it's tracking in Australia for the year. You know what I mean? Because forty one million mm. seems like a lot for Australia. Anyway, I I I, I, I can't work out how to get to it. Like. I, I fuck knows. I don't know. I don't know how to get to the Australian numbers, but for you know, I wanted the I wanted the Australian numbers for the year, but I can't seem to get to them. But anyway, regardless, it's doing great numbers. It's cracked a billion dollars. Margot Robbie was very confident it would. I was confident it would do really well. I, I'm always hesitant to be that guy going definitely a billion, because to get a billion, a lot of things have to fall your way, which they have done for Barbie. You know. Um, you know what I mean, Rich? Like a movie can do really well and can and can make seven hundred million. That's quite fucking possible. But to get a billion, you really have to kind of hit not a home run, almost a grand slam. Really, it's it's rarer than people think. People make such a big um, uh, hoo ha over these movies that do crack a billion. There's a lot of movies that make five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred who've done very well themselves. But it's made a billion. It'll probably end up making. I mean, I could see it. Making one point two, really? I don't. I don't see it running out of juice, you know. Before then, I, I think it's going to keep on making money for a while. Anyway, uh, probably yes, um, yeah. unless yeah. something comes along or. Well, it definitely won the war of the movies that came out in that month, that very crowded month: Mission Impossible, Indy, Oppenheimer, and Barbie. It definitely won the box office war out of those movies. 
you know? Yeah, but let's be honest, Opp- uh, Oppenheimer, I don't think, was ever... Well, never going. I know that was the meme, but they were never really going to... No, I mean, it's a no. three-hour fucking movie. The, the, the real candidates to have done this were going to be Indy or Mission Impossible or Barbie. They were the real candidates. And it's been Barbie. Yeah, Mission Impossible is a surprise to me um, that it dropped off so quickly because it was such a good... Hmm. It was such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I almost think... Um, I think they made a mistake, uh, the theatres, in in not screening it in the IMAX, giving it to Oppenheimer. I think that was a mistake. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't do terribly, but it just didn't do as well as recent Mission Impossibles have done. I wonder as well is, I hate to say fatigue, but almost the Mission Impossible movies are quite similar to each other, you know? Could that be a factor? in it not doing extreme numbers or is it just the barbie competition? I, think, I think it was the whole barbie oppenheimer thing that yeah. um i don't think they were expecting those two movies to have such a uh meme ability mm. i guess mm. so it's made 496 worldwide um It'll probably just make over five hundred. I mean, to me, that's disappointing for a Mission Impossible movie. It only made one hundred fifty-four. But as I said, you can never predict these things. Um, um, had had just Barbie or just Oppenheimer come out, probably would have been fine. But I think mm. the, everyone was like almost like they felt like they had to go watch one of the two. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Barbie was the clear winner, and at the end of the day, Barbie with a little pink uh, gloves on, she knocked out. She definitely knocked out Indy. She took out Oppenheimer, um, a movie that I couldn't be bothered seeing in a million years. Uh, I'll probably catch it on streaming one day. Um, and Mission Impossible was a, it was a good Mission Impossible movie too. Like there was nothing wrong with that Mission Impossible movie. It was it was I thought pretty fucking entertaining. You know, um, yeah. really enjoyed it personally. So anyway, I'm sure Tom Cruise will recover um, and probably come back bigger and better. And and probably I think be a bit more careful about where they place that movie. Because I do think that that July that was a very congested July. That was a there was a they were big movies with big budgets all coming out together, and I was like, I don't know, like if I would want to do that in this climate where people are so cost conscious, you know, like people are far more cost conscious about what they spend at a movie theater now than they were 10, 20 years ago. In my in my opinion, you know. And I, I feel like a lot of people are more than happy to watch Mission Impossible on streaming if they see Barbie in the cinema. If they pay to see Barbie, they'll, they'll catch the other ones on streaming. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like I maybe would have tried to avoid exactly what happened, you know, which was like put it out with Indy, with Oppenheimer, with Barbie, Mission Impossible. It's a lot of big properties all competing for the same dollar at the same exact moment. And I, I wonder if that was... A little unwise, but maybe that's the ego factor as well, you know? Yeah, it could be. Who knows? I don't know. But anyway. Um, now, we, we we kind of teased this. Tom DeFalco returns to Marvel with a four-issue mini-series. I'm excited. Secret Wars Battleworld teamed up with artist... Uh, do you know this artist, Pat Olafi? The mini-series will be set during the 80 Secret Wars event, which I have said is my favourite Marvel... Uh, event um i've chatted to tom defalco online um we will have him on the show i I loved when we had tom defalco on the show that was one of my most fun conversations 
I feel like we just scratched the surface. Um, he's going to come back on closer to the date of this coming out in November, so probably in October. Um, you know, look, this isn't seven stone, guys. Don't like, you know, there's no need to fucking, you know, sacrifice virgins, you know, to this. Um, but yeah, we he's a super nice guy and happy to come back on the show. And so we want to get him um, to chat about his career in general and also obviously talk about this event and other projects that he's got going on because I know he's got things like The Right Project. He's a very talented writer and he was editor-in-chief, which I find fascinating for like a good, I think a good 15 years, Rich, you know? Mm. Um, which is just a lot of fun. So are you excited for Secret Wars Battle World, Rich? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for any <laughs> any of the old guard coming back in. Yeah. And doing something, and especially at least you know, I'll give Marvel this. I mean, at least they, <laughs> at least they're giving us um, the stories that we care about. Or the, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the events that we care about, at least. So, but at least they're giving like these guys uh, a fucking chance. Like, you know, um, oh my god, uh, James DeMatteis. You know, his miniseries have been great that he's had with Spider Man and that Magneto are reading. Like, there's so much fun. Um, they've got Howard Mackey on Ghost Rider. Like. Like, you know, yeah, these guys have got talent. Like, put them in the batter's box, you know, and, and, and let, them, let them go. And, like, as you say, it's, it's – they're smart enough to be, like, rather than get these guys to reinvent the wheel now and try to make sense of whatever bullshit is going on now at Marvel, go back in your the glory time and write a story set then. That's fine. Like, the world's not going to stop spinning. You know, like – I'm sure Tom DeFalco can write a story. And I've, I've read stories about Secret Wars. They did Deadpool one where he was kind of in the sidelines of the Secret Wars. Like, it was fun. Like, it was a funny comic. But Secret Wars is a great fucking event. You, you could really mind that. I've, I've, in all honesty, I've had dreams, Rich, of shit that's happened in Secret Wars, you know, that wasn't on the pages of, of comics. Maybe that's just part of some sort of mental disorder I have, but... <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not a good thing but um I, I don't know i just think it's wide open like to me you could tell stories about nightfall that haven't been told you know what i mean because there's there's so much that was set up that it's not like the the story of nightfall every issue ended and then the uh, next issue picked up exactly when there were storylines where the the action took a breath you could write a story of, like, as bad in Nightfall, you know, and, like, do it in closed, like, you know, four-parter or something. It's quite possible. Um, anyway, I, I'm glad they're doing this. I, I'm, I'm super fucking happy, and I'm, I'm thrilled to get Tom DeFalco back on the show. Now, Mitchell Hall um, sent me a review in PC Powerplay Magazine of Assassin's Creed Mirage, Richard. Um, mm-hmm. And I said to I said to um, Mitchell, this is the kind of fucking reporting that I have been calling on for years, Richard. I've been telling you that it's the kind of stuff that I'd like to see you doing. Remember, I've been telling you this. You know, behind no. I I have. Are you kidding? No, I don't remember it. Behind the scenes stuff, Rich. Like the, you know what he did? He actually he actually um, took a photo kind of almost spy style of the magazine article, which I'm now going to read out. Um, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Ubisoft is making the Assassin's Creed I've been asking for. Blah, blah, blah. There's a showcase. Um, He's talking about how immediately charming our protagonist, Basim, is 
and he's weirdly, oddly, he's weirdly OP ability to teleport. But more than anything, I'm thinking about how nice it is to get a classic Assassin's Creed game again and wondering why Ubisoft is making it. I was one of the grumpy Assassin's Creed fans who, when Assassin's Creed Origins was released in 2017, was appalled at what they'd done to my stealth action series. I'm kind of like, fuck this guy for that comment, but anyway. Um, I've been operating under the Believe It When I See It principle ever since Ubisoft announced Mirage, its love letter to the first Assassin's Creed game with glimpses of Baghdad's bustling streets and Bassam's traditional robes. I was nervous that Mirage would still have some of the RPG baggage of the last three games, but after watching a 10-minute live press video, they've really done it. Classic Assassin's Creed, resurrected in all its stabby, stealthy, and sometimes clunky gory. Glory. Um, blah, blah, blah. He then goes on about um, a fight broke out, a mission sort of got broken um, of the demo. It, it, they sort of like they fucked it up. Whoever was doing the demo, they fucked it up. And the, and the, and the guy, the press guy there was getting upset, but the guy was loving it. Um, the dev narrating the video was noticeably disappointed the mission hadn't gone as choreographed, but I couldn't think of a better demonstration of Assassin's Creed than seeing what it's like when everything goes wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it goes on and on. We saw Basim instantly counter and kill guards like the spitting image of Altazar, Al- Altar and Ezio, although Yubi noted that Basim is a glass cannon character. Open combat is meant to be a last resort, which has always felt like the intended fantasy of Assassin's Creed, but past games weren't able to resist making their protagonists into one-person armies. It's kind of pissing me off that this guy is talking so much smack about the, the most recent ones. Um, it'd be great to feel like I'm in real danger when facing a handful of guards instead of waiting for easily countered attacks. Watching the Mirage demo gave me all that warm, fuzzy feelings remembering what it was like in the run-up to the first game. I went back and watched the E3 2007 gameplay demo for Assassin's Creed 1 and was surprised at the little things I'd forgotten about that felt so novel at the time, like a dedicated button to push crowds away. Like, I mean, yeah, but it wasn't that great. The freedom to climb the side of any building and hidden blade kills that are still cool 16 years later. Well, you can still climb up any building in, in the fucking latest ones, mate. Have you played any of them? Um, there might never be a proper AC remake, but I'm starting to think Mirage is something better. A modern reimagining of what that first game could have been on a much grander scale. That guy's pissed me off with that review because, as usual, with these fucking so-called journalists, and I hesitate to use the word, he comes in with a fucking axe to grind, which is telling us all how shit the last three were. Well, the last three were massively fucking popular. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, pal. Um, you know, the fucking Valhalla was one of the greatest games we've ever played. And yeah, you are a fucking badass, like, fucking killing people all over the place. Yeah, it's fucking justice out there. Um, this guy just wants to sneak around in bushes all day and, and, like, push away crowds and stuff. Yeah, it's okay, but, like, what does that mean when he says he's a glass cannon, Rich? What does that actually mean? Uh, it means that he's strong but uh, weak. It, so Sure. You know, a cannon is powerful, but you hit it once and it breaks. But can I say this? That's always the fucking case in these games. Like... Eh, kind of. Well, I mean, in Valhalla, he's stronger than normal because he's a Viking. You know? In Valhalla, the assassin stuff is more to the sideline. You know? He's he's kind of like... I wouldn't say his heart's really in the Assassin's Creed stuff in Valhalla. He's more about the Viking lifestyle. <laughs> And my, my guy was constantly fucking that chick on the map, you know? You take her in the map room and just have sex on the map. And my guy did Shock it horror, Dave. Shock my, horror. My, my guy did it constantly. And then he got blocked at one point because the other guy came back who was like a husband, and she's like, oh, we can't do it now. And I was like, fuck this shit. Like, you know, I was... And then he left. 
and, and we were back on again. So that was good. Um, and they say Assassin's Creed doesn't have a story, mate. Well, there's a story for you. There was a bit of role play that went on. <laughs> yeah, a real porno story. <laughs> oh, you didn't see anything, man. You didn't see shit. All you saw. I didn't say it was a porno image. I said it was a porno story. Yeah, but all you saw was like you'd get haul uh, like up onto the table, and then it would tastefully cut away. It wasn't like you saw. Him. And that's all Dave needed <laughs> to get his jolly time. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like you saw him grinding away for five minutes. Um, yeah, look. I, I, the guy's review was kind of annoying to me. Did you notice I was kind of turning on the reviewer uh, a little bit? Yep. Yeah, he was kind of pissing me off because he was he's one of these fucking guys who they, they fucking hate that Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla are smash hit games. They hate that, you know? They're like, oh, why can't it be like an Assassin's Creed 1? Assassin's Creed 1 was cool as hell, but, you, you know, it was one, one game, you know? We're a long way down the fucking track. It's like going back and saying, I want cricket to be like it was back in 1960. It's moved fucking on. You know? It's... Life... Shit changes, man. Shit moves. Um, Anyway, I I don't don't have anything more to add other than that guy can fuck off. Um, I'll play the game. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, as a one-off, okay, but... I want my Assassin's Creed Japan game to be open, man. Open it right fucking up, you know? I want to be able to go from one length of the island to the other. Or islands. Just play, just play the um, Ghost, of Ghost of Tsushima, man. It's I did play that, yeah. Been, it's, already, it's already been made, Dave. Yeah, but they're going to do Assassin's Creed, man, so that's happening as well. Oh, I just thought of something. I just thought of something awesome, Richard. Are you ready for what I'm about to tell you? I'm about to drop on you one of the biggest fucking bombs in single history. Are you ready? Sure. Crossover. The guy from Assassin's Creed Japan meets the guy from Ghost of Tsushima. Crossover. Not going to happen. <laughs> wow. What an idea, though. Wow. Yeah, it could be an interesting idea. They'll never do it, though. Too much money at stake. Too much money. Yeah, but it's also other people's properties. No, I know. It'd be a full crossover. I know. It'd be like Marvel DC crossing over or something. You know? Like two completely separate things. Still, a man can dream, Richard. Um, Also... always allowed to dream, Dave. Also, just because Ghost of Shin was a good game doesn't mean no one can make Japanese games, other publishers. You know, it was good, but it wasn't like, oh, fuck me, we can never make another game set in Japan. It was good. I just said there's already a game in Japan you can play. And I play it. Don't worry. I play it, man. I fucking play it, man. Not, not a day, dude. Not a fucking day I play that game. I dream yeah. about that game as well. Then then you're not too antsy for the <laughs> Ubisoft one. You can wait. <laughs> I have to, man. I don't have an option. I, I, I really... There's a side of me that wishes I was like some sort of corporate espionage guy. So I could get in. I want to be one of those guys who's like raids the files and gets the games before everyone else and stuff. You know, you you just kind of remind me of a kid who's like, I want to be this and I want to be that and I want to be able to be this cool character. I want to do espionage. I want to be the emperor. I want to be. <laughs> I do want an to be assassin. I want, you, I just, you just want to be everything. I want to be the emperor, man. I've I was funny. We we're watching Flash. I, I there was this part where Batman comes down with his bat wing and his bike. I go, Jesus Christ! I like that bat wing. Uh, so I wouldn't mind getting that. And then there was a pause. I go, and the bat cycle. <laughs> and then I went, and the bat suit. She was basically everything Batman. I was like, pretty much. 
<laughs> I was like, but that's, but that's my point. You want you want to and you want to do everything and be everything. Yeah, sure. And I am. I do a lot, man. I I do a lot, and I am a lot. I wear a lot of hats, man. But I am the Emperor of Signal. We all know that. Um, you know, I have my sure assassins, man. Uh, I seriously, like, I'd love to have um a team of assassins. You know, because I'm too old now to go on the missions. You know what I mean? Like, I was in conversation with Dion the other day, and I was saying to him that I would have made a good spy. And he, he kept on saying you couldn't stand under torture, which is what Michelle said. I said, but I, I said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual spying, the infiltrating. You know, you've got to have a lightweight personality, be able to blend, adapt. That's me. You know, you've got to have... Uh, uh, I think, honestly, Dave, I think you might be a bit too... Mm. Great. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Opinionated to be a good spy. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. Draw a bit too much attention to myself. Yeah, I think you'd be. You, I think you would find it a little bit hard to um, to keep your thoughts to yourself if someone said something you didn't agree with. That's a good point, Rich. That's a very good point. That is a good point, man. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because you. But part of the spy thing is you'd have to be able to say shit like if someone said pink is white, yeah, sure. Tell me how you say Yeah, man, whatever you say. Whatever you say. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you say, man. Whatever you say goes. Um, just I just like the idea of being just deep cover. You know, deep, deep cover. Real deep cover. And, you know, it could get real twisty, man. Double agent, triple agent. Turning and turning, man. Flipping. Yeah. Can you do it? I think I could. I think I could. I think you can't walk away from it 13 seconds flat. Yeah, so you say, but I've never seen you walk away from anything 13 seconds flat, so I don't know. <laughs> Certainly not a meal. <laughs> I'm, stay, I'm saying, like, stay, your, that's your motto, but you've never lived it. Stay, I stay to the dessert, usually. Uh, they're like, Dave, we've got to leave in three seconds. I'm like, but I still want to get my, <laughs> my tiramisu. The dessert hasn't even <laughs> yeah. come. I'm waiting for my espresso. Um, my affogato or whatever the fuck it's called. Anyway, um, this is interesting, Rich. The role of Gotham District Attorney Harvey Dent. I like the fact we're not calling him Two-Face. We're like giving him his formal fucking title. District Attorney Harvey Dent in the Batman sequel is down to Josh Harnett and Joel Edgerton. Like, is this the best they could do? God. Like, two washed-up fucking actors, you know? Like, two guys... What we're looking for is a guy well past his prime. Um, never were that big, but I kind of still have a name. It's And they're like, oh, okay, all right. And then it's Josh Harnett, who I think is a fucking awful actor, um, and Joel Edgerton, who is a better actor, actually. I will say he's a better actor than Josh Harnett. But Josh Harnett, to me, is one of... I mean, he's a poor actor, in my opinion. Um, pretty Boy Looks, you know, that, that was all he had going for. Joel Edgerton's a better actor. Do I want him as Harvey Dent? Yeah, I'd decide with Joel Edgerton out of those two, yeah. Um, also... Glowing recommendation. Also, can I say this? I... I I do like Harvey as district attorney, but what I really like is Two-Face, you know? Like, I don't want to spend too much time with Harvey Dent. Like, I want definitely them to do the, 
the the coin as Harvey, so he's he has the disorder beforehand. You know, I want him talking to himself before the acid, and the acid then drives him over the fucking edge, man, way over the edge. Actually, um, Brian Lazara for my character of Mayhem, which is my Cobra character, he has in his um fan fiction. He said, Does, "Would I mind giving him the personality of uh, Tommy Lee Jones?" as uh, Two-Face, and I said, I love that fucking personality, please, give it to Mayhem, it's perfect, it's crazy, basically. Uh, yeah, but it was, he was, Tommy Lee Jones was not a good Two-Face. I enjoyed it, but, I mean, he was, yeah, well, why, what did you like about it? I mean, he was, he was nuts. Well, the problem is, is I didn't ever feel like he was two personalities. No, he was just one. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I didn't feel like there was any real, um, what's the word? Uh, nuance. Not nuance, but like um, uh, struggle. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that there was two personalities sort of at war with each other kind of thing and all that. No, it, it was almost like uh, Tommy Lee Jones didn't even know who Two-Face was. <laughs> he- well, I, what I heard mm. from like uh, old interviews and stuff and all that is that he didn't want to be upstaged by Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, no, I've heard that that he hated so Jim Carrey. So he yeah. he decided to like try and out Jim, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like out Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, that's you're never going to do that successfully because Jim Carrey was on fucking eleven in that movie. You know? Yes. Well, I mean, Jim Carrey was definitely trying to um, manic. Uh, do the um. Ah, fuck, I'm going to remember his name after the show. Uh, the guy that played him in, in the Batman um, 60s. Um, I don't know the guy's name. Frank Gershwin or something? Is that his name? Something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, but the guy that played the Riddler in the in the Batman show, yeah, he was, he was very, like, you know, over-the-top. Sure. Um, psychotic, all that sort of stuff, and I think Jim Carrey, if I remember correctly, said that that's what he was. Um, mm. That that's what he was channeling. He was going for the the you know, the Frank. Yeah, well, I mean, look, uh, I know it's not a perfect movie, but but I enjoyed it at the time. Um, yeah, Batman Forever. I'm talking about, but but anyway, how long do you want him to be? Um, just Harvey Dent. Do you want him to be turned into Two Face? Because Honestly, to me, although I enjoyed the Batman, I also found it was rather slow and boring, you know, at mm. times. Like, quite, I honestly was kind of like, can we just fucking dial it up a bit? Like, I want the next one to be more kind of action-packed. My my biggest problem with is that it, I feel like it's a character that you should have really introduced. Um, already. Already, and who is an ally of Batman's. Yeah. Who then loses his shit <laughs> when when the acid gets like you even get to see him be a little bit like weird, mm. you know what I mean? Like maybe he's already like one minute he's angry and the next minute he's he's fine or something like that, and then in the next movie you can have something happen to him. Because my biggest problem in and this is even with the um, uh, the Christian Bale ones is yeah. that they kind of just introduce the character him in the second movie. Yeah, Aaron we, I, Eckhart. But, yeah. Yeah, but but I feel like there's no real history. No. You know what I mean? Like I feel like he's a character that needs to be set up in a movie first. Oh yeah, just so you like, can, yeah. just so you can get that payoff. 
Well, the, the animated series, I always feel, did it perfectly. They had a couple of episodes, at least two to three episodes, and one of them very early with Harvey Dent, and they definitely alluded to him having a mental disorder as their district attorney. There's a full episode, I think it's Leather Wings, where it has Harvey flipping his coin and his face is half in shadow, half in light. And he was a friend of Bruce Wayne, but they, but that fucking animated series from like 92, whenever, they did it perfectly. They gave him a few episodes scattered around the first season or two where he's Harvey Dent, and then, boom, did the story where it all happened. And they'd built the character in. So you actually, even if you're a viewer who didn't know anything about Two-Face and just watched the animated series, you actually gave a fuck about the character. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the animated show is, is just the... Um, it, it should be the Bible mm. for for any Batman stories. I, I don't mean copying it. I just mean a, a master study on how to do character. Sure. I thought you meant the actual Bible. Like, you know how my Fragopedium is going to be my Bible? You were like, this Bible should be the animated series. They walk into church and there's just a box set. They're like, yep. Well, okay, let, I'll give you an example. The the, the Batman movie that the, they just did out, the Batman, I think mm. it's called, right? Yep. Um, did you care about Riddler at all? No, I fucking hated Riddler, actually. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, the, the, there was no... He was just kind of used as, a, as, a, as an antagonist, but... We Dude, it was really the worst riddler to... ever. The worst riddler yeah, but, ever. But even the, the, the Falcone story and all that, like, you just not feel for anyone. You know what I mean? Like, you're spending all this time, mm. but yet I don't feel like you've done a good job of setting anything up. It's a weird movie. Like, I, I, I'm going to have to watch it again. I, I honestly, honestly, although I appreciate it's well made, it's got some stuff in it that I really just didn't connect with. Like that Riddler, you've reminded me of – I hate that Riddler. I hate that Riddler. I think it's the worst Riddler ever. But And the whole – they try to make you care about the Falcone stuff, and I kind of care about that more. I thought the woman who played Catwoman was very good. Bits of the movie are good. Like it's it's okay, but my God, it's slow. Why is the movie so fucking slow? Am I the only one asking this question? Like – I, I don't just need mindless action. I'm not. I, I understand they're, they're trying to be a bit different, and I even thought the guy playing him was far better than I thought he'd be. Uh, Robert Patterson. I thought he showed some promise, but it almost felt like they had half a movie. You know, it was like they hadn't quite finished the script or something. It just felt a bit disjointed to me as a as a viewer. I didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't love it. Like you know. I thought they were trying to put me to sleep. <laughs> well, I agree, but but that's not a, like I like I I know someone out there is going to be like, yeah, it's like that's how we want our Batman. I'm like, you know what? I I don't think this is the answer. I I reckon the next one needs to be. I mean, to me, they were trying to do sort of similar to Nolan, really. You know, in their own way, like a slightly different version, but quite influenced by him. I would probably go in the direction of, say, Dark Knight, which had a fair bit of action as well as some deeper moments. You know, like, mm-hmm. th- that's all they need. They just need to punch up the action a bit. Like, I, I-, I think a lot of the movie uh, and stuff was pretty decent. The Riddler was horrible. That was a fucking... I, I-, I sometimes don't understand, have these people ever... Uh, like, Riddler? That was Riddler? 
Really? Like, what the fuck Riddler was that? Like, that's like Riddler on his worst fucking day ever. You know? I, I, I've read a lot of Riddler. I, I, I'm not one of these guys. You don't need to read every Riddler appearance ever. Fuck, I know I haven't. But I'm telling you, that Riddler was like the weirdest version of Riddler ever. You know? It was a stupid version. And well, I hate it. The problem with it is that we didn't get to... And this is the problem when you don't, like... Um, uh, take the time to build your your villains is mm. we don't even that movie didn't even explain to us why he fucking did everything as a riddle yeah do you know what I mean like yeah. no I, I I get it yeah like even in the um even in the the, the, the not the great uh, Schumacher one that we're talking about mm. I mean at least I spent the time to explain why the Jim Carrey one like <laughs> loves puzzles so much Mm, I agree. I mean, I might get shot down here, but I give me Jim Carrey's Riddler and give me the Batman, um, you know, whatever you call it, 66 Riddler over this fucking Riddler and that new Batman. Look, like, Jim Carrey wasn't perfect. Jim Carrey was cartoonish and crazy, but, hey, it fit the fucking movie, you know, and it was, it was interesting, like, entertaining. I thought this Riddler, it was bizarre, man. Like, I, I, I honestly don't understand what the fuck they were thinking when they made that guy Riddler. Like, that director, I hope that, actually, you know you know what? Hopefully the director has learned that lesson, because I bet you he got that note. And I hope the lesson he gets from this movie is, yeah, he can make a good movie. He made good Planet of the Apes movies. We know the guy can direct a movie. Just punch up the action and try to get the characters at least somewhere in the fucking, like, same ballpark. As they're meant to well, be. Well, the the, the the problem is, is I think he just had too many characters in the movie. I mean, for God's sakes, you're doing your first Batman movie, and you've got uh, Falcone, you've got Catwoman, you know, you've got uh, Riddler. Like, it, it's just too much. I'm sorry, I, I just. But think, I don't think so. I think you could. I, I I think that's plenty. That's enough. No, but my point is, it's too much in that you haven't set anything up. Like, mm. I would have preferred maybe just spending more time with Catwoman and Falcone. Um, you but, know, but Catwoman's uh, sympathetic in this. Yeah, but my point is, you didn't have any time for the Riddler. Sure. So yeah, he's you just, just like used a him as, as 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 a secondary sort of antagonist in between the Catwoman and Falcone stuff. Like, true, true. What a waste of the fucking character. Like, dude, it was just again. That's just my opinion. No, well, I, I honestly, you know what, I honestly think this is going to sound so cynical, but if I was a scriptwriter. And clearly, they, they've got some idea. But if, if, okay, we've decided we're going to do Riddler. I would just go and spend an afternoon and just leave through, like, one... Okay, give me the best Riddler story. There's, there's literally a, an Arkham Riddler collection, which collects, you know, a collection of stories. That's all the research you'd need. I'm not, and I'm not saying that you have to copy them, but just read them and just get a flavour. And, and that's where I'd, I'd go, okay, from here, that's kind of like the essence of the character, a little bit of research, no more than a day's research, and suddenly I'm like, okay, now I kind of know who the character is. I can write a story and, and thread the Riddler in. Whereas this felt to me, again, like I don't even know who the fucking Riddler is. I assume he does riddles, and I'm just going to attach him to a crazed serial killer, you know, um, whatever the fuck was happening, and the worst costume ever for Riddler. Probably one of the worst fucking costumes in any superhero movie ever. 
And, like, who the fuck saw that and went, yeah, oh, thumbs up, you know? Um, it was horrible. Well, someone did. Yeah, it was horrible. Like, it, it's the same people who who cast Ezra Miller and, and were like, there must have been so many notes, so many people would have been like, this Ezra Miller's weird as fuck in his acting. Like, why? But they're like, no, 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 we really believe in it. Those, those are the people I blame for that kind of stuff. Like, someone ticked it off. Someone ticked that costume off. No one made a note and said, no, 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 start again. This is a horrible costume. Because a lot of Batman sort of fans, and there's a lot of them, I've not met a single one who's gone, yeah, that Riddler was fucking rocked in the Batman. You know, wow, what a performance. Everyone's like, what a fucking horrible performance. And I had one friend who said to me, he goes, look, it was okay. He said, but I just, he just couldn't get over it. Like, he, he, he he's primarily a Batman movie guy, you know what I mean? Like, he loves Batman, but primarily it's movies, a little bit of the TV shows, but primarily the movies. And he just couldn't even understand what was going on in that movie. He goes, he goes, my wife just said to me, you're expecting too much. And he's like, yeah, but I just feel like Batman's always delivered. And this time they just went, they just went in a weird direction with that Riddler thing. And, you know, I get it. Like, how to make Batman boring kind of thing. You know, like, it's like, it's like, I get it. You want to make a high quality movie, but it's not a think piece. You know, this, you know, we want character. We do want character. And I like bits of the movie, but we want action as well at the end of the day. You know, we want some fucking but, uh, action. Look, uh, and, and the, the, let's be honest, the Batman 64 is not perfect, right? But at yeah. least they weren't ashamed of Batman's roots. Do you know what I mean? Like, they... You know, it, it didn't have to be like reality. The problem mm. I have with like, especially trying to copy um, the Christopher Nolan stuff, right? Mm. Um, as I said to you, the biggest thing for me was when um, he jumped off the building mm. and he, he, he his fucking suit opens up into that fucking the glider flap thing. thing yeah. You know what I mean? And I was just like, you can't be serious, man. Like, well, let me tell you. Why couldn't he yeah. just open up his fucking wings? Mm. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And and Dude, it's so much better in um in Flash when Keaton goes out of the plane and he uses bat wings that actually look like a proper suit and he kind of glides down, he flies down kind mm. of thing. It dude, it just looks so much better than that well, bullshit. That's, yeah, that's what the fucking cape is for, man. I feel yeah. like you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like if you're not doing that, you're kind of missing the fucking point of yeah. Batman's wings. Yeah, let me tell you, watching Flash, I realised how good the stuff with Keaton was and how good his suit was and everything. And, yeah, that was a really pathetic moment in that Batman movie where he leapt off the thing. And it's like, is Batman literally trying to commit suicide? You know? Um, I, I hate it when they make Batman sort of shit. You know, like... Like, his stuff doesn't work and everything. And, like, I hate all that stuff where they do that. Like, it's, like oh, Batman, before he's good? Like, fuck this. Like, why, does, why do we have to neuter Batman and make Batman shit? You know? He's Batman. Mm. You're like, fuck off. You know? It's, it, I hate it. And, and I don't mean to slam this movie too much because I get the bits of it are good. But I just, I honestly found it a slog. You know? I was in the cinema going, yeah, it's okay, but, like... Also, can I say this? For all its pretensions of being deeper 
I remember saying to Jimmy Terzis, who, when they were like, oh, it's like seven, I'm like, it's like the fucking sanitized fucking Disney version of seven, you know? It's like seven with all the fucking gory details taken out. Yeah, sure. Um, and that isn't seven, you know? That's the that's the bastardized, neutered, watered down version of seven for fucking little children, and I don't think they deserve that much praise for that personally, you know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, maybe I'm fuck it. You know, maybe I couldn't be a spy because I'd be like fuck this shit. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I feel like I'd just be like seriously. Imagine if they were like imagine if you but imagine this. Say you're on a million dollar salary and you're one of the execs, and everyone's saying how great this fucking the Batman is. Are you going to have the balls of steel to say we need to do a rethink, guys? We need to recast, recostume Riddler. Riddler is a problem, guys, and we need to put some action well, in there. Put it this way: I would open my mouth only because mm. if I. If the movie's going to bomb, right? Mm. If I believe the movie's going to bomb and shit, I'm probably going to get blamed anyway. Sure. Even 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 though I was a yes man, mm. they they're still going to probably fire me if I'm lower down in the yeah your pecking order yeah on the on the on the totem pole. So I might as well just speak my mind and yeah because I'm probably going to get fired either way if it fucking goes belly up. Yeah, well they, they always look for a scapegoat. We've seen that a million times, you know. Yeah, they so, always. I love it. I love it when a corporation always blames. Yeah, I'd say something, but only because I knew that I'd probably get blamed anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, someone who speaks his mind, Chuck Dixon, he made Fox News twice in one week. Good work, Chuck. Uh, Fox did an article based on one of Chuck's latest YouTube videos where he responds to a fan asking why Marvel hates the Punisher so much. And he then, then, then posted an exclusive interview with him. Highlights from the interview, this is from Michael Kellishim. According to Chuck Dixon, the company is embarrassed by the working class hero and his appeal within military and police ranks. I agree with that. The main re- this is his quote. The main reason they wanted to get rid of the Punisher is because they hated the Punisher. They hate you for liking that, for liking it. It's that simple. Uh, Chuck then suggested what the thought process was of the current Marvel leadership team, uh, Brie Vought and Akira Yoshida. Uh, we're going to take the Punisher and we're going to mangle him and we're going to destroy him. We're going to do what no other entertainment company ever has done. We're going to purposely take one of our intellectual properties and tear it to the ground. Punisher, I think, is totally a lost cause. They've destroyed the character. I mean, they've ripped the guts out of it in a way that for comic fans, discontinuity is so important, it's irreparable. I'm hopeful about the future of comics because when um, DC and Marvel basically share most of their readership, those people still want comics. They just don't want their comics. They They didn't want to be preached to. They didn't want to be scolded. And so they're in search. You know, most of them just go back to the comic book shop and go through the back issues. I'll catch up on things that maybe they haven't read before. So true, Chuck. That is absolutely true. That's exactly what I've done. Uh, you can say it's ideology, it's left-leaning, it's whatever. But what it comes down to is an understanding between these people. They only hire people who agree with them. It's like trying to explain to a fish that water is wet. They just think this is the way that you think. And it's invaded every aspect of the big two comp- comic book companies. He's right. Uh, this is the thing with Chuck Dixon. He, he actually he speaks a lot of sense. Like... I often, when Chuck speaks, I'm like, yeah, you've, you've hit it on the head. You know? What do you think, Rich? I agree with everything except the, except, I'm sorry, uh, I have, one thing I have to complain about. What are you going to complain about? Is, I hate it when people say water is wet. 
Of course. I don't know. It's it's what? one of those things because it's, I hate it because water is not wet. What do you mean? Water makes things wet. Water is liquid. Okay. But well, water itself is not wet. I just, I, I'm sorry. It's a pet peeve I have. I don't care who does it. I hate it when people say. Well, you can bring that up to Chuck if you want. You can bring that up to Chuck if you want when he's on the show soon. Well, Jesus. maybe I will. Yeah, maybe I'll delete you off on the edit button. But um, anyway, that, maybe Chuck will thank me though. Maybe he will. Uh, he's a very agreeable person, so maybe he, maybe he will just be like, "Thanks, Richard, for that fucking input." Um, well, it's just one of those things. Everyone uses it. It's just it's a thing that's wrong, but everyone just does it. So I've never done it. I've never said it ever. No, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. one of those things where it's wrong, but everyone just goes. Well, I think water is wet. It's not wet though. If I, makes, but if, if I jump into water, wet. if I jump into the fucking ocean, I'm wet. Yes, you are wet, but the water's not wet, Dave. You oh, are I wet. see what you're saying. Okay. Well, all right. Well, that's almost a philosophical kind of question, really. I don't really understand it. But anyway, other than that comment at the very end of the agree, article. Other than that, I agree with everything. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm you know thankful for that, at least. Um Fans have caught uh, Wizards of the Coast using AI art or modified art in the new source book. Some fans are not happy. Let's do a bit of internet research here. Um, oh, this is going to happen more and more. Um, and Richie... No, technically, uh, I looked into this. It wasn't them. It mm. was one of the artists that they use who... Um, oh, I see. Right. They've used for years, but they didn't even pick up or he didn't tell them that he was using... Mm. Now, again, this is what they're saying, so this could just be the yeah the scapegoat. Mm. Uh, the, but this is what they, they're claiming, is that it's an artist that they've used for many years, mm-hmm. and they submitted art for their new source book, and they had no idea, and now they're going to update their, their rules and all that sort of crap and all that, and I'm just like... <sighs> okay, I'm looking at reading it. Okay, so... While we weren't aware of the artist's choice to use AI in the creation process for these commissioned pieces, Wizard said in a statement, um, I fucking hate that Twitter's now called X. I'm really struggling remembering that. We've discussed with him, and he will not use AI for Wizard's work moving forward. Okay. Can I ask a question? And I don't mean to be an idiot. How do, how do people know? Like, cause I wouldn't, because I wouldn't the, the picture and um, I wouldn't know. Because things just don't, um, they're not done properly. Okay. So uh, the AI is still not perfect, so mm. it doesn't always render because it's using images mm-hmm. um, from the internet. It doesn't always render that properly. So sometimes the feet won't look correct, or the hands, okay. or just sometimes the way the body is um, uh, positioned, or something like that. You can tell that. It's either like someone super amateurish who doesn't know mm. how to draw, which is very unlikely, mm-hmm. or it's because it's um, it's AI. Okay. Nevertheless, it's just another in a long line of public relations uh, issues for Wizards this year, including D&D's OGL fiasco from January. Remember that one, which we covered on the show? And an acknowledgement that Pinkerton agents were sent to retrieve Magic the Gathering cards from a content creator's home in April. That was funny when they used the Pinkerton agents to bust that guy's door down. Um, yeah, I didn't think he was. I don't think he thought it was really funny. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It was funny from the outside. Not funny if it's happening to you. And the, and their defense was they've used Pinkerton agents many times. I was like, I was just excited to hear the Pinkerton agents was still a thing because I didn't know that. <laughs> I was kind of just thrilled on that aspect because you know I love my old stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
so yeah, now we have some news. And actually, Ray, I think, will be happy about this. Euphoria, Night Teeth, Night Teeth, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood actress Cinder Sweeney, who, by the way, is a very attractive young lady. I, I feel sent me a picture of her, and I was like, wow. Uh, has confirmed she's planning a female webwoman Spider-Man in the... She's, oh, she's this is planning. She's playing um, a Spider-Woman in the new Spider-Woman movie. Um, a feature film adaptation of Marvel's Madam Web. Oh, I see. So it's Madam Web is the movie. She, she's playing Spider-Woman. I see, right. Speaking with Variety, Sydney talked about landing the role of Julia Carpenter in the film, headlined by Dakota Johnson in the title role. Yeah, Dakota Johnson's playing Madam Web. When I think of Madam Web, I think of that woman who's like the age of Aunt May. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm, sure, I'm sure most Spider-People fans... No, I do too. And I was like, huh? Dakota Johnson's playing her? And I, I was like, huh? And then I was like, oh, I said, they've just de-aged her. I'm like, but like, not by a little bit, by like fucking like 60 years. Um, <laughs> I, then it's like, I was freaking out. I love this bit. This is the bit that I, my eyes rolled out of my head. I was freaking out, of course. I went straight to the comic store and I bought every comic that mentioned my character. I'm like, I'm sure you didn't do that. Um, I'm like, oh, there's not, there's not going to be that much, and you might be a bit confused because no, I, no, I, be I, like, I, I, why is Spider-Man in my Madam Web comic? No, you know what I do if she made that comment to me, I'd say, okay, can we just go around to your house right now? Can you show me this collection of comics, please? I want to see this. I want to see this collection of every every comic in the comic store that has Spider-Woman. Uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'd really like to see it, actually. And maybe you, you could... probably would. You'd probably believe them if you said that Marvel <laughs> gave you a bunch of digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's like, oh, straight to the comic. But you can't just go running down to the fucking yeah. uh, comic store and go, give me all the Madam Web comics you have, please. No, she's saying Spider Woman. So she's. Well, even Spider Woman. I mean, they <laughs> might have some of the modern stuff, but they're certainly not going to be having any, like, every single. Well, oh, but again, she might not be lying. She may have only got like two comics. <laughs> but I've got a like, question for you. So Julie Carpenter was a Spider Woman, a, a different like the one I'm thinking of isn't Julie Carpenter. What's her name? Jessica Drew or something? Yeah, Jessica is the original one. Uh, well, that's the one I'm thinking of. Who's Julie Carpenter? I mean, I, I've that's heard that's the that's the second Spider Woman. She's the one that has the orange. I think it, is it orange ginger? I'm I'm going to bring she this might up. Be a ginger. But I'm bringing this up, man, because what I'm trying to say is, like, I doubt this woman's gone down to... I reckon she's gone down and go, can you give me Spider-Woman? They could point her... You know, Spider-Woman's had a, quite a few series recently, but none of them have been Julie Carpenter, I don't think. I think it's all been Jessica Drew. Uh, yeah, she's maybe maybe appeared in a team or, or, or something, maybe. I don't know. I haven't really... I doubt that this woman's gone down... in the character. I doubt this woman's gone down and bought them. I reckon she's just bought any Spider-Woman. And she's blissfully unaware. Well, it's like that. It's like that chick who's like, uh, "Oh, I grew up watching uh, reading all Nubia," and you're like, "Wow, that's so lot. That's yeah, a lot." You wow. read She's like, "Oh yeah, back in the seventies, I just couldn't get enough Nubia. I was just like Nubia." Oh my day god! And day out. You you know how sometimes DC puts out those um, uh, 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 trades to, that, that they recommend that you read. Mm. You know, like uh, top ten or top twenty-five trades to read of yeah. DC comics. Well, it's that, always the most know, usually shit. You've got your usual, you know, ones what, in there, like you know, stuff. the Killing Joke, and, yeah, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. They actually were recommending a, a Nubia one. I was just yeah. like, Jesus, really gone downhill. Yeah, really pathetic. Like, 
Yeah, they've actually because before it was always like uh, Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen. Um, yeah, yeah, it had your All, all Star Superman. Yeah, you know, but now they now one. they've abandoned. And they might still say Watchmen, but they 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 go for like you know their fucking Zach and um, Scott Snyder's Justice League, like the Batman who laughs, and you're like, really, this is like the all time best. Honestly, they didn't actually recommend um, that, which uh-huh. I found very interesting. Yeah, but they certainly have before, but. Yeah, it's pretty sad. They're like, Newbie is even worse though, man. Like, you know, it's like, but that just is when it's like, we're not even pretending to be de- doing anything more than just shilling our shit. Like, it's like, oh yeah, did you catch the latest crime syndicate fucking, you know, 2022 miniseries? Yes, best ever. <laughs> I was like, wow, really? Like, if by best ever you mean barely passable, yeah, okay, closer, closer to the truth. You know? Mm. Anyway, um, so Sydney Sweeney, I tell you what, she's hot though, man. Type her into internet, and also you'll find that she did um some pretty fucking hot sex scenes in one of her movies too. Um, you know, and and you know, I'm just saying she's got a great body, great body, fantastic body. Um, I'm pretty excited by the whole thing. Anyway, so Spider Woman, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Madam Web. I think they would have been smarter to call it Spider Woman than Madam Web, personally. Um, uh, unless they're saving that for something else. What are they saving it for? I don't. I don't know, but that's the only <laughs> thing I can think of. Why? Or, so. or wait, maybe they don't have the rights to Spider Woman. She's playing Spider Woman, dude. That's what no, I'm saying. Maybe they don't. They don't have the rights to the the, the Jessica one. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. They yeah. don't. Maybe they don't have the rights to the the yeah, actual okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider Woman. They've only got the rights to the 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 the, the redhead, the, one. Uh, orange head chick, because she was in Spider Man or something. I don't know. Like, good point, man. I honestly don't know, man. Well, this is... remember, this is Sony. This is not Marvel, hey? Yeah, I remember, man. I don't forget this shit. I've been doing the show. Yeah, all so I'm time, just man. saying, like, they can't use exactly the same. You, you, the whole use exactly the same characters. Let me tell you something funny. Well, the whole time we've been talking over the last ten minutes, I've been trying to turn off the stupid microphone that was typing into the show notes, and I've just managed to work out how to do it. So the whole time we've been talking, it kept <laughs> quoting us. It's been transcribing. Yeah, and us. I'm trying to stop it. I'm just because because it keeps throwing me from where I'm, my next news item, and I was I was like at the same time I was kind of impressed by what that's we're the talking. AI, Dave. I don't have the AI. I, I'd the happily. AI is coming for you. Honestly, if I was an artist, I'd be so guilty. They'd be like, Dave, when's the last time you did anything? I'm like, well, I punch a few buttons on the computer. You know, <laughs> whips up stuff for me. <laughs> Computers. I prefer the computer. What do, you, what, what do you mean that's not enough? Yeah, I was like, come on. I typed in a few things. I was like, Google search, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Ice Giant. That's all I did. I was like, I did that. Like, and I approved it as well. I ticked it off when it came in. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, got my little. Uh, I don't, I'm sure you have like a computer version of an eraser, like raised a little line or something. Um, yeah, I, look, I just, I just think that it would have been smarter to use Spider Woman as the title of the movie rather than Madam Web. I think Madam Web is not a great title for the movie, personally, in my opinion. I think Spider Woman. Uh, probably, I I can't disagree with you there. Thank you. Well, there you go. Uh, in the crossover, no one saw coming. Joe uh, Joe will be getting an Axis and Allies game. I I used to play a lot of Axis and Allies. Um, 
Renegade Game Studios announced G.I. Joe Battle for the Arctic Circle, a new game powered by the Axis gameplay engine. Like, do they have to make it always sound so stupid? Like, powered by the engine. It's a fucking board game. Like, this marks the first time that Axis Allies, a game involving controlling various theatres of war during World War II, has had a licensed version. The new game will feature over 110 figures, including iconic G.I. Joe vehicles, along with new strategic options pulled from the G.I. Joe franchise. Players can choose G.I. Joe or Cobra while battling for control of the Arctic Circle. I am 100% going to be getting this, Richard, and I think we should do a couple's night, Michelle and me and you and your girlfriend, and we do a couple's night because you can play different factions and stuff in Axis and Allies. Why not? Yeah, there we go. Well, just have to get clearance from Michelle, who won't be quite so fucking uh, thrilled <laughs> by the, this, this this plan. But but anyway, regardless, I'm excited. Um, it gives me another reason. I mean, with this news and the Frag Appendium and the Lobo Compendium coming out, I've got enough to last me for another year on this fucking rock spinning through space, you know? I've got one more fucking reason to get up, do the business, so I can enjoy these pleasures, man. It's giving me another reason. The gun's out of the mouth. You know what I mean? You know what? Thank God you you put your expectations very low into what saves your life when you think about it. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, Axanol is a G.I. Joe? It's pretty good. No, I'm saying, like, because you're like, that's enough to keep me from keeping the gun out of my mouth. You're like, well, thank God you're, you know, what keeps the gun out of your mouth is very, like, low. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Otherwise, it'd be a bit of a worry that you might do it. Oh, fuck it, man. Well, you know, luckily luckily the, the, the cards are falling my way. Um, Michael Kalashim's demanding more interviews. Um, yes. <laughs> I, love, I love that he's demanding it. Like, thank, thank you, Michael. Um, yes. Uh, well, Chuck Dixon will be back on shortly. Um, that's for sure. Uh, and it's more, he, he's super busy. Uh, I'm busy. But, but no, we love having Chuck on. So uh, looking forward to that. And... Um, and as I said, Tom DeFalco uh, will definitely be on. I'm also reaching out to a couple of other people as well, actually, um, at the same time. So, yeah, don't worry. There's a lot of balls in play. Um, uh, he mentions, uh, Michael mentions he read a great bio about Jack Kirby, King of Comics, by his assistant, Mark Evanar, who co-wrote the Groomini series with Sergio Aganis. Uh, he might be able to do an interview if the science idea with Gardner Fox falls through. Um, yeah. Now, we have, uh, this is one for your reaction, Ridge. Uh, He wanted to get your thoughts. It's outrage at the United States Postal Service, where I believe uh, Michael works. The USPS recently released a commemorative series of stamps to honour infamous plagiarist Roy Lichtenstein. Is that how I say his name, Richard? Um, Yes. I'm aware of this too. Lichtenstein is the alleged thief who copied and stole comic book artist's work and presented it to the world as his own pop art raking in millions while the creators he ripped off saw not a penny. I think it's absolutely outrageous. Uh, Joe Kubert, John Romita, Russ Heath and Jack Kirby were among the artists who had their work appropriated by Lichtenstein. It's caused stealing, said comic strip artist Hi Esman, who has just turned 96 and only recently discovered that Lichtenstein had reproduced one of his images to the, in the 1960s. I work like a dog on this stupid page and this guy has $20 million to show for it. it. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be funny. Um... He said he got paid very little for the page. It was a private secretary comic of 1963, which was cribbed for Lichtenstein's Girl in the Window of the same year. I got paid very little for the page, something like $4. He was able to turn it into a painting and make millions. When I saw what he did, when he did that to other people, I thought it was a lousy thing to do. 
but until now I never thought I was involved. And then Michael says, leave it to the United States government to take a lying crooked thief and put him on a pedestal to honour. As an artist, it would be good to hear Richard's view on this. So, Rich, what is your view of this? Because it seems outrageous to me. Oh, uh, but it's it's kind of sad. It's, it shows you, like, the sad world we live in mm. where, um, uh, you know, I mean, we're lucky that we live in a bit of a digital age now where it's a bit harder to steal people's stuff. But it just shows you that the people in charge now mm. have no fucking idea about history. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Uh, that they clearly don't vet or mm. or look into um, you know the people that they honor and all that sort of shit. You know what I mean? Like they just go, "Yep, um, put them on a fucking commemorative thing." Uh, they were an artist. Should we do any like background research on them? Make sure that nah, yeah. you know everyone knows their art, and it's like it's 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 funny how as a, as a society and all that how we just don't care about history mm. like well, clearly they needed a name yeah right they're like we need another commemorative fucking thing let's just pull out someone but then they don't even have the decency to Check like do the them. due diligence and, and do the research yeah um to find out it's that. sad and, i think i think yeah, it's really and also sad. yeah what what what's even sad is that like he's no, no one even really knows that about him you know what i mean like i feel like more people should know about what of an art thief he was Whatever what? What that he was an art thief. I I feel like that's something. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I've heard of it, but only because I'm into comics. If I if I if I wasn't into comics, I would have no idea. You know what I mean? Um, like none. I I only I, I sort of half know it. But what did he actually do? So he would he, so so he'd take a painting. Let's just say an example, like a Neil Adams picture with Batman and Russell Gul or whatever, and then he put that print on a painting and put some pretty colors across the top of it or something. Is that what he would do? Um, I'm not actually sure what he did. I think he just basically just copied their work and, and, and claimed it as his own. Really? Wow. Wow. That's you bad. Know, um, I think what he tried to do is claim that he was um, changing the art. Do you know what I mean? But like, how, did, how did he not get sued for like fucking, if he's making millions, how, how did they not... You know, how, how, how did he get away with it is what I'm trying to sort of point out. Well, I mean, that's probably the thing with the uh, American legal system is proving mm. um, proving something isn't as, as easy as it probably should be. Like, yeah. Because, again, if you get a good lawyer, that lawyer can claim he didn't steal the art he was mm. using. You know what I mean? He was using it. And he probably paid um, a few people off too. I imagine some of these pop, artists. Yeah, in you know. pop culture, he's doing pop culture references. So, mm. you know, therefore the work he's doing is, is transformative and all Yeah, but I still would have thought you'd have to pay something to the person who's, if he's just taking images and then kind of altering them around and fucking around with it, I still, I still would have thought you'd have to pay a percentage to the original person. I mean, I, I'm no art expert. I just... Again, you would think so, but I mean, obviously not. Yeah, so that, that's outrageous, and it's it's even more stupid that he's getting a, you know, a postage stamp. Like, you know, that's just ridiculous to me. Um, yeah, that's nuts. Uh, anyway, uh, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie, by the way. In the end, um, we we both enjoyed it, Michelle and I. We don't have yeah, the yeah. we don't have the same attachment to Mario Brothers, so I think a lot of the jokes went over my head a bit. But very enjoyable. You know what it reminded me of a lot? The Lego Movie. Um, I thought it was very similar. Um, 
in execution. Like, you know, and I mean that as a positive. I love the Lego movies. I, I really, I can see why you enjoyed it so much. It's a very enjoyable film. We watched it the other night. We, we had a good time with it. It was very watchable. You know, I, I, well, I think yeah. I think the beauty of it is that you don't even have to be a Mario no. fan to just enjoy the wonderful uh, animation, story, oh, characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it's fun. Like that. that that's you know what I mean. It's um, you know. I, I mean, I was having this conversation with him because he's always telling me about you know he's looking for stuff to watch and he'll tell me when he watches stuff and all that. And and I just and he was asking me about the writer strike and all that, and I said like, you know, because because he was like, I don't even watch that much and all that, and I said, well, I guess that's the problem is that, you know, I don't feel like I enjoy mm. as much of the modern stuff as I do. So when I do find something like the Mario Brothers or something like that, mm. that 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 fulfills it, it just feels so awesome. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. almost like you forgot that feeling. Of, oh yeah. Of, of of what it's like to um, to just enjoy something and and have it entertain you. Do you know what I mean? And not uh, and not be annoyed by something or oh yeah. Like as I said, I mean, I've I've I, I don't begrudge anyone the the Barbie movie. I'm not going to watch it. It's not my thing. Mm. Uh, hopefully, I don't have to watch it. Uh, I think hopefully my girlfriend is still going with someone. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to watch it, but I have heard a lot of people turn around and say, as much as they enjoyed it, you know, it's got some weird messages in it, you know, with mm. the Barbie stuff and all that. And in the movie, they try and claim that Barbie was created by men, you know what I mean, and and, mm. and all that sort of stuff. And 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 I just kind of feel like you see, that's a shame because I didn't get any of that from the Mario mm. movie. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel like there was any subliminal messaging. I didn't feel like there was any. Oh, the the Barbie movie is very meta, extremely meta. It, it. My sister said that it, it, it's, it's very bad. It's very self-aware. You know, that's a big part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that, like, some people have made not not complaints, but have said, like, yeah, it's an enjoyable movie, but it's weird messaging, or you know, I didn't quite agree with whatever the point they were trying to make. And I'm sure. like, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, not not saying you can't have a point. I'm just saying it was so nice to watch a movie like Mario Brothers. Sure, there was no. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, there, there was no jaded message about Mario. Or, oh no! Well, thank God or as well. Family, I, I, or I, friendship, yeah. or anything like that. Oh, I totally agree. No, I, I hear you, man. I mean, and that's look. I, I think Barbie maybe lends itself to uh, parody is not the right word, but I, I think a meta a meta framework. I think it's part and parcel of it of the conversation. But I, I, I would have hated, and I, and I'm no Mario expert, but you know, I know enough. You know, I know the bare bones. I would have hated if we'd got into it and him and Luigi weren't really friends, you know, or hate each other. And if it if it had a cynical undertone, I think that would have really undercut the whole movie's purpose. You know, um, no, no, I, no. I I think on so many levels, that was just a really successful movie. I I can see that, that is almost an example to me of how some of these people should approach their properties. You know. Um, okay, but I, I feel like my problem with a lot of stuff today is I feel like everyone wants to be part of the message, mm. and then the, and then a lot of times I just forget. Just tell a good story, man. Can you just be entertaining? Yeah. Can you know what I mean? You don't always have to have. Mm. Not everything has to have a fucking message or an undertone or sure or, or anything like that. And I guess that's what my biggest problem with a lot of entertainment today is: is I'm just looking to be entertained a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, 
and you know, and and and, and we're coming back to comics. People always be like, ah, oh, but you know, comics have always been political, and they've used religion. I'm like, yeah, but they've used some. it as a as a tool. To and and a can story, I say though. some as well? You know, people like every comic's political. I'm like, no, wrong. <laughs> like, no, okay, but summer, okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. So I've actually been also reading up and, and watching a lot of Jack, Jack Kirby recently, right? Yeah. Um, and there was a story where he created – so Jack Kirby created Adam Warlock, right? Did he Although really? He wasn't, I didn't know Well, that. he wasn't called Adam Warlock at the time. He was just called him. <laughs> wow. um, and he actually created the character to poke fun at um, – uh, Steve Ditko, right? Mm. So Steve Ditko um, obviously had a very sort of unique way of looking at the world. Sure. Um, very binary. Mildly. Um, and, you know, he believed that, you know, um, there, there wasn't really a thing as like altruism, you know what I mean, kind of thing and all that. Anyway, when he created the character, the scientists basically, he wanted to tell a story because obviously Jacob is very religious. So he wanted to tell a story about the scientists that want to create the perfect human. Mm-hmm. But because the perfect human doesn't have any sort of like morality or anything like that, he basically just kills the the scientist when, when he's basically brought to, he's just like, you know, you I can't remember the name. But anyway, Stan Lee didn't like the story, so he changed it. Mm-hmm. Right? And he just had that he's uh, sensed evil and blah, 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 blah. But my point was, even if that story had been made, that was just Jack, you know, that was someone inspired by real life mm-hmm. to, to, to tell an interesting story or or, or or to poke fun, which, again, I don't have a problem with. But it doesn't mean that every fucking thing that Jack Kirby did had a message. So just because he did it once mm. doesn't mean that everything you bloody do has to have some kind of oh, sure. message. And, that, and, and that's the problem with Hollywood at the moment is I feel like everything they do, and that's why I think the movies that have been most successful mm. – um, over the last year or whatnot, has been the um, the ones that are just fun. Your Top Guns, your yeah, you know, and, and stuff and all that. And I think at the heart, maybe Bobby is probably a lot more fun. It's just yeah. that some people have probably picked up on some of the. It's definitely fun. Messages or whatever, but I'm it's just definitely saying, fun. Just, definitely fun. You know, I never ever thought about people's politics and, and shit back in the day when I watched movies mm. in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, look. Uh, yeah, I, I might have a slightly, slightly different point of view, but not very different. I, 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 I don't need politics rammed down my throat. Like, you know, in a time, a certain time and a place in, in, in some movies that have that as a theme, sure, yeah. Uh, for watching well, look, in the name of the Father. If you're inspired by some real-world event or even something from history mm. and you feel that you can tell an entertaining story as that as your basis, go ahead. Yeah, like, but 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 I don't need to see Superman turn into a really really obvious alien allegory, you know, coming to America kind of thing. Like, which is the kind of thing that sometimes I'll do that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? It's just tired. It's boring. It's it's cliched. Yeah, it's just cliched. It's like it's it's you know, aren't we a bit beyond that? Can't we do a bit better than that? Like that's sometimes. Some of that stuff, some of it, not all of it, but some of that to me feels like when you haven't got an idea, that's what you would fall back on sort of thing. And I'm like, I would far fucking prefer an entertaining, action-packed Superman movie that dealt with him fighting fucking aliens and shit, you know, and all sorts of crazy shit with Brainiac and blah, blah, blah. Like, And there's just so much goodness in the Superman mythos 
that I don't actually think it'd be that hard to write a pretty well, compelling script and you know I make think it. that's also the problem is that um, you know like pe- people will always be like oh you know Denny O'Neill he was very political and it's like yes he was mm. and if that's the only thing you know about him you would probably think that but he also just told good stories not everything yeah. Denny, but again they only, that's all they remember him for do you know what I mean mm. so like newer writers or younger people they're just like you know the only thing they know about Denny O'Neill is that he was very political and he did mm. political comics and commentary and it's like yes he did when he felt the need to sure but most of the time he just told fun entertaining yeah. Batman stories or, or or you know what I mean like yeah. yeah yes he had an opportunity but it doesn't mean that that's all he was no he, he, was, he was he was a multifaceted uh, writer and editor and everything he was a he was a tastemaker as well I think Denny O'Neill's really one of the real greats uh and it's a very shallow view to own and he was a bleeding heart liberal he was a yeah in his like life like yeah of course he was but it's a very shallow thing to just assess him only on that very one small criteria uh he was a good storyteller he was a great editor as well a really really good editor you know what i mean like on top of being an, a consummate professional storyteller, he was a fantastic editor for the Bat Office. I, I'd, I'd probably say the best editor they ever had, you know? And, yeah. you know, like, view the man's career in full. Like, don't just limit him to Green Lantern, Green Arrow, you know? Like, yeah, that's great. I love it too. But you're right. He, not everything Jenny O'Neill wrote was about fighting the man or whatever, you know? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's like... Yeah. I, I just, everything was a political statement. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, I, I get a bit tired of it. Um, you know. No, I agree with you. And, and, hey, man, like, that's entertainment, too. Most fucking big... If you want to go by the most popular things of all time, like, in terms of cinema, you know, most of them are crowd-pleasers. Seriously. You know? Most of them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm confident in making that statement because I'm thinking of them... And yeah, you can you can try to weave in some stuff. Oh, Star Wars is all about no bullshit. It's a fucking fun adventure story, you know the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's what it is. You, you you can try to layer in shit afterwards. Yeah, sure, but the original escapism Saturday um, matinee, you know, high adventure, blah blah blah. You know, um, anyway. So that's the, that's most entertainment throughout throughout history it's crowd plays stuff that's the bit the bit really big stuff because that's what connects with the audiences on a mass scale um that's just the way it is you know and you know. and i'm and frankly i'm kind of don't you feel that there's been a lot of pushback to the messaging stuff recently it just feels like we might have turned a bit of a corner i think i think i think a lot of people are thinking a little bit but it does seem like um hollywood is very slow to sure to pick up on that, sadly, uh, and well, yeah, I mean, also we don't even know what's going to happen now with the um, strike, with the writer strike. So it'll resolve, man. It'll they they always resolve. No, no, but you know, but I mean, we, we don't know what, like, nothing's in production at the moment, so we don't even know. Sure. If, if they've learnt their lesson, or or if they pivot in, or something like that, because all the strike. So yeah, good point. Now, I had two items that I wanted to mention. There's a Superman Silver Age Omnibus, I believe, coming in December, and I believe a Batman Silver Age Omnibus is coming soon too. I'm thinking of collecting these, um, actually, Rich. What do you think? Give me your thoughts on the Superman Silver Age Omnibus. It is coming up soon. Um, I'm thinking of getting them 
because I reckon that's where my interest levels will sort of start. I think you'll be, sh- think you'll be stupid if you don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well. So are you going to well, get I mean, it with okay, that kind I mean, of? Fucking... Be, I actually, I'm going to start um, once I finished my Star Wars collection, mm. which I'm almost finished. Um, um, I, I've almost got the entire. Uh, Legends collection now. Wow. Uh, of I've the books. That, you talk about the books, yeah? Yeah, of the novels and all that. Once cool. I've done that, which I'm very close to doing, mm. I'm going to start collecting uh, omnibuses and stuff again. Okay. Well, I can tell you that the Superman one comes out on the March 12th, 2024, so I definitely think I'll get that. And I believe the Batman one, that one may have already come out. Yeah, it's 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 come out. So there you go. I'm going to pick that up. The Silver Age Batman omnibus. Yeah, I'd really be. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm definitely more interested in the Superman one, but I mean, yeah. well, maybe it's already out. I'm looking here. It looks like the Batman one's already out. Okay, I didn't realize this. Jesus, I better get on that before it disappears. No, I I probably am more interested in the Superman one as well, actually, because I I love that Bronze Age Superman as well like i mean i but i wouldn't mind getting it for my because the thing is it's like getting conan those omnibuses once you've got them they're fucking great on the shelf and you can just pick and choose when you want to read them you know like actually you know what i actually picked up some uh so uh, last weekend mm. uh he and uh, alicia we just went down to uh we, we like to just go and, and find small little shopping towns mm-hmm. um to go to and all that and we happened to walk past the salvo mm. salvation army and i picked up three trades mm. for four dollars each wow where was um, this that, uh in west lee oh. uh, the salvation army in west lee and it's basically one of them was a batman collection mm. of some stories and one was a superman one that included the you know for the man who has everything storyline cool. all that sort of stuff one was a Wonder Woman one. So for 12 bucks, I got three trades, which are just a collection of Batman, like some of the best Batman stories, some of the best Superman, and some oh, of the best... Oh, well, is it that famous collection where it's like the best stories, you know, and it's it's it has them from like the sort of like 30s to the 80s or 90s? Hang on, let me, let me grab... Oh, quickly, just give me two seconds. Because if it is, they are great collections. I totally agree. I mean, they sound like great collections, whatever they are, but, you know, that sounds awesome, man. That sounds great. Batman Silver Age. What it's called is it's called the uh, Heroes and Villains Collection. Cool. Okay. Right. So the one is what whatever happened to the Cape Crusader and mm-hmm. other stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has got a story by Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, um, uh, uh, Andy Kubert, Simon Beasley, Mark Buckingham, Michael Knox. Okay, so that's just some of the writers and the the artists and all that. And the Wonder Woman I've got is Down to Earth, Greg Rucker, Drew Johnson, Shane Davies. Cool. That's cool, I mean, man. They're about, uh, I mean, they're about like 200 pages each. Wow. You've done well. So I'm doing my research while we're talking. So Batman Silver Age is out. I'm going to collect it. And uh, it's just issue one out. It's got a really cool picture of um, Batman and Robin and then like a retro picture of, I want to say, is it Batwoman, Rich, who's got like red and white? Uh, sorry, not white, yellow. Uh, no, red and ye- red and yellow. That's the original Batwoman. Yeah, yeah, Kathy Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's 
that's them. So yeah, there's I, I'm going to get it on the ground floor because Golden Age is too far back for me. I, I I don't mind doing it for a you know a one off, but it's not something I'm going to read constantly. But Silver Age is where I'd like to pick it up. So yeah, definitely, and, and definitely for the Superman stuff as well because that's where Superman gets a you know pretty crazy in the Silver Age. Um, yeah, so that's cool. So those things are coming out. So it sounds like DC are finally fucking turning the corner. Adam the Computer made a comment that since Dio left, they sort of seem to put a pause on a lot of collections, but now it feels like that they're they're back on it again. Um, in, yeah, in, a, in a small, weird way, I, I miss him, actually. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I don't think he was perfect, but he certainly mm. was, was better at running the company than what they've done. Oh, yeah. Um, since he's left, so... Well, I think they fired him and then were completely rudderless, you know, because I think he exercised a lot of control. Look, he made some bad decisions, but I'll say this, at least he did pivot. Um, mm. Like, if, if something wasn't working, he would yeah. admit it and, and sort of cancel it or change it. Uh, yeah. Whereas, again, now the problem is they go, no, I'm right. It's these plebs that are wrong and <laughs> and they, they'll learn, you know what I mean? Like These racists. <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, it's kind of it's what it feels like. Kind of like um, yeah, you know, they—they they, it almost feels like they are, are saying you don't know what is good. Oh, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, dude, so, it's done. I don't even waste my time on it anymore. Fuck them. Like, yeah, but at least they're putting up the collections. So that's something. At least we're proving Chuck's point. True. You know, where he's like, you know, people just want to go back and they're like, screw this new shit. Um, let's. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I said. I literally I agree with everything <laughs> Chuck said in that, in that interview because yeah, I'm also doing that um, myself, and and so are you. So yeah, yeah. And like, luckily, there is a lot of stuff. There's a lot of gold in the hills, you know, um, from back in the day, but just very, very few. Oh, yeah. A lot of untapped stuff. I mean, as I said, I was, I was saying to my, my dad, he was. Uh, I was showing him stuff uh, uh, of, of things he should watch on on Prime and all that. Yeah, and he was looking at my, you know, my my watch list, and he was like, "Jesus, a lot of like nineteen sixties movies in here, like Hercules and sure. Rome movies and stuff." And I'm like, "I said, yeah, that's what I watch these days. <laughs> like, that's I fun. literally don't watch anything else. Like, mm. I I am only interested in in older Hollywood. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it's again, it's not it's not by choices. I mean, I've always enjoyed that, but mm. I mean, if I'm not getting what I need, then I'll just because I never watched every single. You know what I mean? There's lots mm. of shit from like, um, the '60s and stuff that I've never watched, and and streaming has now opened that up for me. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch all that old stuff. I don't need the I don't really need the new stuff. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, a news item here. I'm not sure if you put this in, Rich, about IDW. Um, no. have cancelled. Numerous independently owned series out of the blue with no warning to creators. Bleeding Cool reported that it's due to a company-wide shift, i.e. they're broke. Some of the series had complete scripts and some of the artwork done. It's what happened to Chuck. His Unprepped was supposed to come out in 2017, but they canned it. It wasn't released until 2022. So IDW are in real trouble, as we know. I think they've lost too many licenses. You know, they had a lot of revenue that was based on licensed product, and mm-hmm. they've, they've, really, they've really struggled. Um, I mean... Stan Sakai went over there for five seconds and then went straight back to Dark Horse. You know, he's like, "Why? Well, I've got a like." He's got a good relationship with Dark Horse. His product comes out, it gets in stores, it's high quality, it's consistent. 
stay with what you know, Stan. You know, you know what I mean? Because God bless him. He's a real gifted guy. And it just goes to show the grass isn't always greener, Rich. You know? Yeah. Like that. And, yeah, if, if you can get out, get out. Like, if you've made a mistake, as long as you can Well, he, yeah, he, he came straight back, and, and he's got a great relationship. And I'm so glad for him, too, because he he's another guy. His wife had serious health issues a few years ago. And, um, you know, he's not broke or anything, but it was, but like, she was really sick. Um, I'm not sure if she passed away or not, but it was, it was touch and go. And, um, you know, I think there was a bit of financial stress potentially, but anyway, I'm glad to see he's back with Dark Horse and that's sad to see about OW, who, who honestly, I always feel fondly for because they did the GI Joe and the Turtles so well, you know, and I'm just like, I'm like, what a bummer that like, such a cool company that was so successful for so long is now really kind of like, I don't know, floundering, I guess is the only word to describe them, you know? And I feel like for a long time they did some really good stuff, IDW. I think that they, they yeah, got good properties, you know? It's a shame they didn't learn from Dynamite because um, Dynamite was very clever in that they actually said, you know what, instead of just making our own fucking heroes, mm. there's, a, there's a lot of heroes that have become... Um, Public demand. Um, public domain uh, yeah. and that's when they did the project superpowers which actually did pretty well for them mm. um you know what i mean so mm. um yeah, yeah. Uh, it's what a shame idw didn't go like hey there's a lot of fucking yeah <laughs> you know what i mean there's there's a lot of uh, gold in them heels yeah um and then we don't have to pay any licensing stuff and all that and you know maybe we can maybe we can make something of it but so, so no, true, they, man. they wanted to just go for that license and IDW did stuff. Not IDW. Um, you just mentioned them. Sorry, what were they? Uh, Dynamite. Dynamite. They did stuff like um, Lone Ranger and everything, didn't they? There was. Do you remember this? Like they, they Green Hornet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lone Ranger and all that. Well, Chuck Dixon actually did a Lone. Yeah, Ranger. yeah. Like that's good stuff. Like I, 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 I've always had a fondness for that shit. I, I, I think that a lot of that stuff is a lot of that old Western stuff. Um, I think is pretty damn cool, personally. Uh, so just wrapping this up, we already mentioned Barbie crossed a billion worldwide. Team and Team Mutant Mayhem have made twenty eight million domestic over the three day weekend. In comparison, the original nineteen ninety movie made twenty four million. Wow, a long time ago, uh, on its opening weekend, which was big money at the time, actually, uh, for for that movie, which was made on a shoestring budget. And the last Michael Bay movie made thirty five million. So it's Round and about. Um, I know Phil from Capes Lunatics saw it. He said his him and his son really enjoyed it. I'm hearing good reports from Turtles fans. Um, I'm hearing some people have some nitpicks, but overall, I'm hearing positive reports from the real Turtles hardcores. You know, like those of us who 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 bleed green, man. You know, um, I don't know what the what is the Metacritic score? I have no idea. I, I honestly, I, I've actually tried to stay away from all spoilers and everything. Um, uh, some people have said, I believe it's enjoyable but flawed. Okay. Well, you know, Baldur's Gate Three's out. It's got a ninety-seven on Metacritic. Shit, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Um, what's seventy-four on Metacritic? So that's pretty good for a movie. That's pretty. Yeah, good. as I said, it's it's uh, people seem to be enjoying it, but saying it's not like. It's not the best. It's not great, but it's it's still enjoyable. Is, is okay. Again, what I've heard. It sounds like it's a lot better than the Michael Bay ones, which were pretty horrible. You know. Again, I feel like it's a low bar. It is. Like. It is. Know. It is a very low bar. I agree. I agree. Anyway, weekly comics, Rich. 
Uh, just two weekly comics this week. Now, Max Rebo, I picked this because I've always liked Max Rebo, just visually. I felt this comic had some promise and would have been far better if they had just stuck with the light melancholy of Max Rebo's story and his interludes and made that just the whole comic. The, the so-called action and the endless Return of the Jedi fucking tie-in moments were infuriating to me. I, I felt like they'd lessened the, the... It's a Max Rebo comic. It's not this fucking retake of the barge incident in Return of the Jedi, like, with a really bad artwork on Harrison Ford. Like, Jesus Christ. I, I was like, wow, we're not even trying anymore, are we? Um, no, I, I felt this book had promise. I felt the Max Rebo stuff was strong. I think they should have just dialed in on that. They should have cut out all this endless Return of the Jedi fan service. Uh, I'm giving it 6 out of 10, and I'm giving 8 out of 10 for the Max Rebo parts, which I thought were beautiful, but just for some weird reason, they weren't the main focus of this comic. Uh, uh, what did you think, Rich? Um, it's fine. The, the The sad thing to me is that this would have just been a... 10-page story in an old Star Wars comic. Sure. So an, an old Star Wars comic, then maybe they'd have a collection of like short stories, which they used to do mm. um, in in like some oversized issues. I feel like this was, yeah, this is this is a 10-pager that got turned into like a 30-pager. Agreed. Um, yeah, just completely unnecessary. It doesn't need to be that long. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and also, yeah. when they tried to make it sort of weirdly serious, I was like, this would have been so much better as a lighter story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just, I don't know, I just... Well, I re- it could have been funny of, of, it could have been a funny story of him always surviving. Yeah. Like, you know, you could have had, like, you, yeah, you could touch on the, that he, he survived, like, in Jabba's hut with all the, the incidents, mm. you know, and there's some previous stuff that you could say, like, that he survived, you know what I mean? Like, tap into his past. And then you can, you know, he keeps feeling like his numbers up, and then he actually survives the bar, the the barge thing, and all that mm. sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And then mm. just goes off to start a new band. Like you could have had that every single band member died. <laughs> he has to go off and start a new band. Like yeah, yeah, you you could do something into, but again, not 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 a not an entire issue. No, a backup story. A, you know, a ten pages, six pages. You know, something yeah. funny and light. But it just goes to show you how. Strapped for stories, I think they are. Like, oh, yeah, I think that they're struggling. You know, in, and in, yeah. you know, Marvel Star Wars is. I'm sorry, it's not good. And it's, and they're like, oh, we've got to build an event around this. I'm like, you have to build an event around the Max Rebo band comic. Like Jesus Christ, how how desperate are you? Like, I was just like, I I, I just kept thinking to myself, like, there's there's an entertaining comic in here, and as you say, it's probably about a ten to fifteen pager at best. All that shit with the clan and the drummer and blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just, like, really bad storytelling. It was almost like a mesh of two different completely comic book styles, and the result was very grating. It wasn't, a, like, a nice blend. It was a very grating blend that I felt less to the comic book, and I can only give it a 6 out of 10. What are you giving it, Rich? It's a 5. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a decent short story, mm-hmm. but not worth a... Honestly, not worth the, the, the price of a comic. No, 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 no not Fuck a comic no. by itself. As I said, backup no. story, 
Um, something like that Fuck would no. have been perfect, but no, no ways am I paying. Fuck um, no. Fuck no. no. You know that that I personally would would pay full price for uh, this standoff comic. Like, in the words of Tony Montana, no. Fuck no. Um, yeah. No, definitely not. Uh, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Weapons of Vengeance, Alpha One. Why do they feel the need to cram as many words as possible into titles? Like, Ghost Rider slash Wolverine, uh, colon, Weapons of Vengeance, dash, Alpha One, one shot. It's like, Jesus Christ, I'm exhausted by reading all that. Now, I didn't mind this. Benjamin Percy is definitely one of the better writers, and he's not even that good. He's, he's Mr. 7 out of 10. And that makes him a fucking genius when it comes to Marvel writers at the moment. Um, when I say he's not that good, I mean, I don't think he... I, I, I think he's a very sort of almost vanilla storyteller. He's, he's very kind of like, boom, 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 boom. You know, it's just all very like, dun, 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 dun. I was going to just dare to do my job. And he does the bare basics and he does it okay. Again, here, pretty good. Uh, flashback scenes. Um, although I had one thing that really fucking annoyed me. Um, enjoy the issue overall. It's a good issue, Wolverine and Ghost Rider. If you like Wolverine and Ghost Rider, this is a good one, and it leads into the next Ghost Rider issue, which is them teaming up, which is cool. There's one moment that really ground my fucking gears. Um, there's a storm happening outside the X-Men mansion, and thankfully this is a flashback to when they were in the mansion and not in Krakoa, so that was nice. And, um... Kitty complains to Storm, and I want to quote Storm's response. Kitty basically, you know, being the whiny child that she always was back in the day, um, complains to Storm Richard about the weather, yeah? Mm-hmm. And Storm um, hears this, and I want to quote literally her response, and I want to see what you think of the response. Let me just bring it up. Juvenile and childish. Yeah, here it is. Okay. She says, can't you do something about this storm? Storm. Sigh. Which I also hate when they do this. Yes, Sigh. I don't like it when they do that. Either. I'm not a meteorologist who can promise you a calendar of endless sunny days. Should people ask Xavier to put bright thoughts in their heads every time they're in a bad mood? And I was like, okay, I can tell you who never spoke to Kitty like that in the early 80s? Storm. That yep. that also also that is not how Storm even speaks in general in in back in the eighties. I know you can say, oh, but now in the you know on Krakoa she, she talks like that all the fucking time. Cool, that ain't where we are, man. We're back in the eighties in the X Men Mansion when things were good. You know when Chris Claremont was running the show and Storm did not speak to Kitty like that. And here's my point, Rich. What do you think of these guys who come in, they swan in, Rich, with their fucking expense accounts and big fat paychecks and rock star lifestyles, and they decide to do stuff back in the day, the Chris Claremont day in the early 80s, and start giving the characters completely different voices and Storm just bitching out on Kitty? What do you think of it, Rich? Um... Yeah, another reason why I don't believe like so many of these people should be writing comics because um, if you can't do the bare fucking minimum mm. of researching, mm. um, and, and, and to be fair, if you were an actual genuine comics fan, 
Mm. Okay, maybe you were a comics fan, you didn't read X-Men, right? But then go and fucking read a book, man, and actually learn mm. how these characters sounded. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually take the time to, to, to go and go, okay, well, how did, you know, oh, okay, so, so Storm was the compassionate one. Yeah. Always, always, you know, there to be like, oh, I'll be your shoulder to... She's almost the mother figure, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'll be your shoulder to lean on, you know what I mean? And when Logan, how dare you speak to someone like that kind of, mm. you know, kind of thing? Because that, that is what Storm's character is. She's always been the... Yeah, she's awesome. The, the you know... Um, Storm is awesome. I love Storm. Yeah, she's always that compassionate sort of one. So, yeah, this just shows me that you don't know... This was embarrassing. I, I read this and I was embarrassed to read it. I was like, oh... Gee, someone doesn't know how Storm and Kitty react. You know, spoke to each other back in the eighties. Wow, someone's missed a few classes. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, it, other than that, enjoyable comic. Uh, I actually liked this, all the stuff. I mean, he's done lots of Ghost Rider, lots of Wolverine, so he, he knows what he's doing. But just that one beat, it strung a really well, bad clearly, chord. Yeah, he's, he's clearly better at writing those two, and he doesn't actually. Yeah. You know, he probably had to include the X-Men as part of the story. Yeah. But didn't actually bother to, like, go, well, let me just research and see. But it felt like he had it, he got like. everyone else. It did feel like, um, although, can I say, Wolverine was actually pretty aggressive towards Colossus, which I well, don't... I was going to say, Wolverine was actually overly... Yeah, wow. Um, what, what about when Wolverine over. leapt down and was like, where the fuck are you doing here? Like, I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. like... And not just that, when... Uh, when uh, Colossus is playing chess with him, yeah, and he basically turns around and says, "Take that piece and shove it up your ass," like, yeah, you know what I mean. And I was like, "Man, can we not just have them like <laughs> miss the old dialogue, man?" Like, I'm sorry. Well, I, I, I was miss- having read a lot of Wolverine, you know, because I'm reading that that early '80s Claremont now, like past where I have read it before, you know, because I I sort of picked it up in the mid '80s and I've got a gap and I'm reading it. Wolverine and Colossus had a pretty good relationship, you know. Oh yeah, no. Wolverine actually had a pretty good relationship with most of the people. Yeah. Um, it it was more the um when maybe something wasn't going right or yeah, or, or something that he may snap or something like that. But no, Wolverine. Wolverine actually. Yeah, he was. It, it was like he was. It was like Wolverine was on roids this issue, and they were me- messing oh, with his mind. Can know? I just say something? What is it with Marvel comics now, where all the characters need to swear? Like I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not trying to be some sort of like prude, mm. but I, I feel like in all the comics now, they, they've and they're not they're not swearing because they, they do that whole like fucking yeah, um, exclamation they, yeah I know at symbol hashtag sort of thing. But like all the characters are saying shit and fucking mm. and stuff, and I'm like, really? Like I don't why? really care because I think that a Wolverine character would, you know, because that's no, his but personality. it's not just Wolverine though. It's yeah. just, this is something that that. Yeah. brought it to my attention because uh, in a few of the Marvel comics I've read, like Cyclops swore in the one issue yeah. um, where he tells someone to go fuck themselves. You That's know what bullshit. I mean? I'm like, That's bullshit. I'm like, I me. really miss the old days of well, you know, again, that story without swearing. Again, that's not getting Cyclops because I tell you what, the real Cyclops back in the day would never swear, you know? That was just in his character. He was a, he was a, he was a, a straighty 180, basically, you know? Um, yeah, you know what, but even like your Chris Clements and all that, they could write Wolverine all that and sure. have him be tough without having him swear. Or I know, man, but like, let's face it, like from a certain point of view, this Wolverine was almost a parody of Wolverine because he was so aggressive. 
like Wolverine fucking threatens a woman and a child, and then Wolverine like almost tests like um, Colossus a new one, and like it's like oh, calm down, Wolverine, you know, yeah. um, like. Like, like he gets it, but he almost went too far with it. It was almost like Benjamin Percy was. He gets it, but he goes overboard. Yeah, yeah he was. He was almost showboating. And look, I'm giving it. I feel I'm being generous here. I'm giving it a seven, and that's with some reservations. But overall, I think it's a seven, especially in a very weak crop. You know, it's not perfect. It's kind of annoying that this is the best Marvel can do, but it is kind of... Look at what else they're doing, the shit they're putting out. Um, Benjamin Percy is a 7 out of 10 guy all day long. He, he mails in a 7 out of 10 most times. Um, what did you think Rich score was? Um, yeah, uh, there's nothing overly wrong with the issue. Um, the art's good, but still generic. Mm. Um, uh it was kind of nice to see. I, I kind of had got a kick out of seeing the old Ghost Rider yeah, costume. It was cool. That, I agree. That blue one and all that. Um, yeah, look, interesting team up. Um, I think these two characters can work well together. Um, oh, 100%. We're with the adages and all that. Um, I thought it was very bizarre that the woman takes a kid into her home mm. and becomes his mother after he slaughters an entire fucking orphanage of children. Sure. I thought that was a bit weird, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, you're just like, oh, you poor thing, let me be your mother. This could, you never, this could never backfire on me personally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that, that, that I didn't quite get. Like, um, yeah, but, that's no, good. I mean, overall, yeah, in, in, interesting book. Um, um, as you say, um, not like. No, no, not like wow, what a, what a, but yeah, but better than like most of the shit you can read. So yeah, exactly worth worth checking out, honestly. Yeah. So what did you give it out of ten? I'll give it a seven out of ten. Okay, we're both on sevens. Um, now we come to our trade of the week. Now we were only doing was Dread Star by Jim Stalin. I believe he both writes and draws it. Um, we only did the it was the it wasn't the original appearance of Dread Star is in the middle of a other story but then at the end of it there's this sort of like sort of side story that's set on this planet um that's a planet of total peace basically a farming planet i like it's it's a small story i thought it was interesting it's it's very slow but i actually found it richard this red star thing with cool artwork as well like actually really cool artwork that was kind of almost a little bit avant-garde to me um I found this a refreshing change of pace. I felt like I was reading like a fantasy story. I liked the inventiveness. I liked the sense of like you, you felt like Jim Starlin was having fun. Um, this wasn't company work. This was his own stuff. There was a sense of freedom about it, a, a personality even, I would say. Uh, I believe this came out in the mid-80s, uh, early to mid-80s. Uh, I feel it was probably slightly ahead of its time. Uh, for me, I didn't know what to expect because I've never read any Dreadstar. I probably was confusing it more with like a Warlord, which is what I thought it was going to be more, but it was more of a, a slower story, really. And I, I, I felt interesting. Um, certainly not something where I'm like, man, I need to keep on reading more Dreadstar because I was like... It was almost a bit philosophical, but I enjoyed just the experience. 
You know, I felt it was a kind of refreshing change of pace. What did you think, Rich? Uh, <laughs> very interesting artwork. Mm. Um, I very much enjoyed the artwork. I read the whole thing. Mm. Um, wow. Um, but I can't say that I... Mm, I can't say that I enjoyed it. Sure. Um, it's very much... Um, it's very much all over the place. Um, I feel like, um, um, what's the best way to describe like it? Like every, um, he throws a lot of stuff at the wall almost. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on, but, um, but never really fleshed out properly. Mm. So like the, the, the first story is like this, this ancient race of, you know, almost people see them as gods mm. and they add war with this race that you never really get to know anything about like mm. or, or really see them or see the devastation that they've caused and all this sort of shit and he creates like these mystical things like the horn um that ends the galaxy he creates the sword and he creates the, the race and all so this is the story before he goes to the planet with the cat people yeah 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 and what happens is the the vance the great star he finds the sword mm-hmm. and the sword actually sort of becomes part of him and all that sort of stuff which is cool which the, the alien guy wasn't really expecting but anyway um, and then he gets these three people who, again, you don't get to spend much time with them and, mm. and get to know them. And they, they basically end the, the, the galaxy, but their genes restart the galaxy, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing and all that. And then like, but, uh, Van survives, like the, um, the alien kind of saves him. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, there's just so much going on. Like, so it's like. It's boring, but also happening at a breakneck pace. <laughs> That's funny. It's you boring. I mean? Yeah, it was kind of boring. Um, boring is a good word to describe it. Like, like I wasn't like on the edge of my seat going, man. I was more like, wow, this is kind of. I was almost like, like someone's. It, it was a bit. It was a bit like dope smoking philosophy. Like it was kind of like, yeah, kind of interesting, but also kind of lame. You know, to me. Yeah, again, it's it's someone that's got really, who's got a an idea, mm. right? He's got he's got the genesis of a thought and all that, and he kind of he, he's obviously built enough of the world, but the problem is, is he hasn't spent enough time, um, in the world. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we've barely spent any time, but then he's rebooted. But then we kind of don't start at the beginning of this. We come now again with Vance, but we started in the middle of a fucking other story mm. where these two factions are at war mm. and you know one of them is like an empire and the other one is like a religion mm. and now you know vance has been living as a farmer and stuff but now you know he's he's adopted people and his wife they've been killed and now he's gonna get rid- and it's like oh yeah i mean i feel like both stories have come in in the middle and then in in about three pages, he goes from like a total rebel to being part of the guard, and then he becomes part. Of, like it's just like oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, you don't even get any time to like infiltrating the ranks and yeah, yeah. It was kind of rushed. A lot of good ideas, interesting ideas, but we don't spend any real we don't spend any real time. F- um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Fleshing it out. Fleshing them out and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm. bang, 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 and I'm going to go infiltrate. And then, yeah, the next issue you're reading, yeah, he's infiltrated. Yeah. <laughs> he's already, oh, yeah. No, he's, he's there. He's, he's yeah. already killed the king, and you're like, man, like, 
like we just it's just all happening. I will say this though. I will say this in this story's kind of like almost defense. The artwork is in, in this storyline with the cat people and infiltration. The artwork is excellent in, in in a sense. Like it's kind of primitive by today's standards, but I also think it's kind of revolutionary. Like it's it's cool. It's the whole story is cool in a way. Um I also did like it once he infiltrated and the stuff with the, how he killed the king and then he sort of blackmailed the prince and blah, blah, blah. But it's also flabby. You, you can't tell me you couldn't have taken some of the shit out with the wife and him, him having beers with the magician guy and all that. So, like, he spent a lot of time on that and then he kind of rushed to the end. You know, I, I think you could have paced it differently. But that said, I think this was relatively early in Jim Stalin's career. Um, it's an interesting piece. I, I, I view it as like an early work. I will say this. I thought it was going to be really action-packed, and I was like, I, I confused it with Warlord, I realised, once I started reading. <laughs> and that was Dave's mistake. I just confused the two of them because the bearded guy, you know? I, I just, it was an honest mistake, and I confused my Grell's Warlord with Jim Stalin's Red Star. I just, it all got muddled in my head. Um, I did hear an interview with Jim Stalin on John Suntress's Word Balloon. Super interesting guy. Super interesting guy. Uh, and, you know, God bless him, he's, he's really had some success and everything. And I believe... This uh, Dread Star is very much a personal project of his that he's nurtured over his whole career kind of thing. Um, so if you're a Jim Stalin fan, you definitely should read it. I think a Jim Stalin, like the diehard Jim Stalin fan, like I'm a diehard, you know, Chuck Dixon fan or whatever, you know, the, all the people we like, Rich, you know what I mean? Like I think you owe it to yourself if you're a Jim Stalin fan to check this one out because I think you'd probably... Enjoy it, you know. It's very. It's got those. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think there's a lot of very interesting ideas. Mm. Um, you know, that's for sure. Is there? Is there? There's definitely some interesting ideas that I thought were pretty, pretty interesting, mm. and I would have loved to see fleshed out. So when I say it's boring, I don't mean it in a. I don't mean it in an overly negative way. I just mm. mean that that um, it's a little bit boring in that, like, it just. It would have been better, I feel, to spend more time, um, yeah, uh, building. But then again, it, it was an independent sort of. Um, yeah, he did it for first sort of comics, and, I believe. Um, actually, yeah, no, and, and he it, might not have felt like he had a lot of. He might not have had the time to, to tell the story. So maybe a lot of it just feels, you know, sort of rushed because he wanted to. To get you there, so to, well, so to yes. speak. Well, yes. What I think happened with it was, I don't know about the first story that was in black and white that you read, that one where he's just, he, he's not even at the start of the story. But the one with the cat people, that was an epic one, which was the Marvel creator own line they briefly had in the 80s. And I believe Archie Goodwin, from memory, I'm, I'm trying to recall Jim Stalin's interview with John Suntress, I believe Archie Goodwin launched that line and he, he brought creators like Jim Stalin and he basically said it was it was like Vertigo for Marvel before Vertigo with the epic line. And they had a people had creator own books there and, and owned the rights to them and they published them. It was under, under the Marvel imprint. You know, it was the Marvel imprint epic. Um, and that's where it started. He then took it to First Comics, which is where I think he did the bulk of it 
um, for many years. So it's had a few different publishers, but Epic was was definitely involved very early, and then he took it to First Comics, which had like ugh, I want to say like Badger Nexus. Um, oh God, um, Mike Rell had a lot of stuff there. Like it was a big First Comics was a big. Uh, comic place that had a lot of independent work in the in the early to mid eighties. They were very influential, and a lot of those writers went on to become pretty big at like DC and stuff, um, as well as their own stuff. You know, so a very interesting guy, Jim Stalin. Um, I'm not sure if he's a hundred percent my cup of tea, honestly, in terms of. But that doesn't mean anything. That just means that you know, just like when you're listening to a band, some you know some bands are your favorite band, but doesn't mean everyone's gonna love fucking REM. You know, um, yeah, that's how I view it. Sometimes I'm like, I can totally appreciate this is good. I think it's a bit revolutionary. I think it's funny, fun. I think it's very fantasy based. I could imagine a fantasy, some fantasy in the seventies and eighties. This reminded me of a lot. Um, mm-hmm. e- echoes of um, Princes in Amber. Um, Roger Zelazny. Uh, I, I was going to say also like maybe like um, Kroll. Didn't yeah, yeah. Is that the guy with the the spinning disc thing? No, I think it is. Yeah, the the yeah, Kroll, the, the movie you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is Kroll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, I look. I, I, yeah. I very much vibes of that. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. No. Yeah, look, very interesting. Like, it's cool. Um, it's cool, but it's cool in the sense like it's it's like, for example, if I have to think of a band, Led Zeppelin, I find them quite boring, but I appreciate they're a very good band. You know, um, I, I this for me was a bit of a chore. Uh, I'm giving it a seven out of ten personally, and I feel a bit bad for only giving it a seven. But it just wasn't my personal cup of tea. But if you're a Jim Starlin fan, this would be more like an eight point five or a nine, because I think it's very much unfiltered Jim Starlin. You know, um, yeah. maybe if you smoke. I think, a, yeah, you know? I, I think if you into if look if you can. If you want to just see an interesting world with interesting characters, um, it, it's definitely a good read. And if you if you are into that sort of eighties sci fi mm. fantasy kind of um, yeah feel, you know, like you know the the that age of like um, as I said, like you know your Conan's, your Kroll, your Cold, like mm. um, oh fuck yeah, uh, Hawk, you know. Like all that sort of stuff. If if you're into that sort of like um, genre of like sci-fi fantasy, um, I, I think you would enjoy it. Um, but also, I, I think Rich, you probably feel like what about if you smoked a big fat one? You'd probably enjoy it a hell of a lot more than two. You know, because it's pretty spaced out. You know, if maybe. you if you well, I reckon if you really coned it up really hard and really you know really were blazing. You'd yeah, probably... but I'm not going to recommend that anyone does it. I don't want to be all responsible. Well, recommending shit. I'm just saying if someone did it, you know, maybe they'd have a different viewpoint. You know, that's all I'm saying. I'm not recommending shit, okay. man. People could do whatever they want to do, man. You know, but it'd be interesting to get the opinion of a hardened stoner reading it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always trying to come up with different angles to appreciate stuff, Rich, you know? <laughs> That you are, Dave. <laughs> well, I'm giving it a seven. What are you giving it? You got to give it a score, Rich. Yeah, I think a seven is is probably yeah. 
a, a fitting score. Fitting uh, score, and I would give it higher if you're a Jim Stalin fan. And the art is fantastic. It right? is. No, the art is, and and I found myself really savouring the artwork. Actually, I I really, I I actually very much enjoyed the artwork. To be honest, I I um, I I I, I thought it was quite revolutionary because I kind of place it for when it was. And I was like, yeah, it's, I was digging it. Now, can I say this, though? <laughs> After I realised it wasn't Warlord, I went back to my computer and got my Warlord issues and put them on the um, the iPad. And let me tell you, they're more my cup of tea. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was like, I was like, because I was like, I was like, I don't remember this. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm thinking about two different, completely different comics <laughs> by, by different people. I don't think that surprises me. Yeah, well, and neither had I read much of. It's not like I read, but I, but I've read, I read, I read a few issues of Warlord last night as a bit of a palate cleanser after this sort of think piece, and and David was back a bit more on familiar ground. You know, <laughs> the the old the old toes were touching the ground again, and I was uh, out of space land with all the cat people. Um, now, Rich, obviously. It's your it's your choice next week, man. You've been without a choice now. It feels like for weeks. Have you actually got one for us? It's been um, eons. Since yeah, you've I've, had got, a I've got some. Th- so I, I think you can. What? What have you got? I was what? thinking of doing something like I'm. I'm a bit undecided. So I was possibly thinking of doing um, uh, the first volume of Thunderbolts. <laughs> Yes, please. Just because I, I never, ever read that. Chabusiak Thunderbolts? Yes, please, yeah, Richard. At the, at the time, I thought it was just a ripoff of Suicide Squad. Okay. Um, but I, I watched a video recently on it, on the history of it, and it seemed very... It's pretty good. Cool. I've read a bit of it. It's cool. It seemed very interesting. Mm. Um, and the other one was... Warlord? <laughs> was it was it Chuck Dixon Savage sort of Conan? Careful, careful! <laughs> I might I might pick uh, Trigon again. Oh fuck! Please no! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um... <laughs> well, anyway, so you could make your mind up, but the, you're thinking Thunderbolts, but you've also got another one sort of planned, maybe. Anyway, it's all. Yeah, good. I just can't remember what it was. That's I okay. Well, we can we can sort that out. We can sort that out offline, and then I'll announce it. I'll announce it after the weekend. Now, I'm I more do... than likely it'll probably be um, Thunderbolts. Okay, well, Thunderbolts is cool with me. Um, now, I do want to thank all the listeners. Um, I want to do a shout out to Brian Biggie over at Inner Demons um, because I did reach out to him about the Ghost Rider thing, uh, Wolverine thing, but he hasn't got around to reading it yet. He's got his comics, but he hasn't got around to reading them yet. So, shout out to Brian Biggie at Inner Demons. Check his show out. He fucking cycles through fire, man, to record his show, which is what I almost wish I could do, man. Like, fuck, I'd love to be a writer, dude. You know? Just dispensing justice. Like, I don't see the downside. What is the downside again? I don't remember. But there's some sort uh, of a downside. Your well, they were like, oh, Johnny Blaze has to live on diner food and motels. I'm like, is it that bad? Like, uh, it probably is. Okay. Well, all right. Um, you know, okay, so there's, look, problems the Collective, you've got Ian Damons, you've got Into the Night, last last week I forgot, poor Ray Show. I was like, what's it called, Into the Moon Night? No, it's called Into the Night, um, it's not that hard to remember, you've got Larson's a Krypton with Connor, he's done some really interesting stuff recently, I was chatting to Connor the other night, and um, some really cool stuff, he did the Masterman comic, which we've already done on Signal, so, you know, you can compare our review to Connor's review. And he did Superman Brainiac over two parts, which the Jeff Johns thing, which I read, remember, last year and quite enjoyed. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. You've got Capes and Lunatics, Phil's there. Uh, we mentioned him tonight. He, with his uh, son, is a big Turtles fan. They enjoyed the movie. Um, and, yeah, Phil and Lilith do a lot of cool shows. I come on monthly do that Scarlet Spider uh, show, which is a lot of fun with Phil. Poor old Phil. And Ray will be back on that show. Um, what else? Um, check out um, Aaron's show, Real American Headcast, the G.I. Joe show, where I am now going to be a monthly guest on the um, Special Missions episodes, uh, Bravo team. A um, lot of fun, Real American Headcast. Uh, Aaron, he's obviously been on the show. Great guy, legend. Um, really wants to come on and do something with you, Rich, at some point, which we will do. Um, you guys are really good on. Aaron's a real chill day unit. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of cool stuff happening, a lot of shit dropping off, Papa Nav. Um, anything you'd like to say, Rich, before we, you know, roll out? Uh, no, man. Uh, keep enjoying the show. Uh, again, far-fetched comics mm. with a K, uh, with an X, sorry, not a K. Mm. Uh, um, if you want to check out some of my work and what it, and, uh, And Rich will not do porn. He said that he will not draw porn, I so don't not, ask. I will not do porn, so. I will, if someone wants to pay me a hundred bucks to do my really bad scribbling, um, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Uh, don't expect quality. <laughs> wow, what a pitch. Good luck with that. <laughs> don't uh, e- I, can't imagine, I can't imagine you not having many takers. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. You never know. You never know, man. Like with birds and the bees, you know. Could be someone's, someone's like, I want you to do the full courtship ritual and sexual mating habits of the human species, David. I'd be like, oh, okay. I'll be like, can I use? No, I'll be like, I'll be like, I make the fucking rules. I'll use AI. I, I spit out some AI shit and go, there you go. Good luck. Enjoy. <laughs> did you use AI? Yeah, I did. It's a lot better than what I would have done. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love your endorsements. Yeah, it's a fucking lot better. Oh, it's really shit. Yeah, you should have seen what I had going on. Some stick figures. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night.